1: Welcome and well met to Tales of Tamriel. I am your host, jealous We have an awesome show planned for you today, and I cannot wait to get started because we've got a special, well he's not even a guest, he is our host, but he gets to, only gets to show up once in a while. First up, you heard him last week while he was in London for the Marwin Preview event, got us an awesome interview down there, and now he's back to talk more about it. That would be Nate, a.k.a. Misa. How are you? There you go, Nate. You can unmute yourself. Maybe? Maybe? Um, there we go! <laughs> well, while he's working on unmuting himself, I'm going to say Ark. Ark here, how are you, buddy? Hello. Hello. I'm doing great. Excellent.
2: I got to sleep two to three hours before the show. I got my coffee. I made it to the solo part of the music, which was great. Yeah? So, yeah, I'm awake. I'm, I'm good. I'm excited. Excellent. I'm ready. Excellent. <laughs> Nate, are you still here now? Maybe. I saw his uh, green circle go up.
1: Mm. Do you know what that? But gotcha, Nate. You may have to just pop out of the voice chat and come back in. That may uh, may solve the issue. But you you know him already, Nate. Nate, aka Misa. He's here. He's back. And uh, once he gets that working, we should be good to go. Um, before we begin the show, I really do have to say thank you to a lot of our Patreon supporters because we got a ton of new support this month alone. And uh, I really do need to take a moment and say thank you to everyone who did that, uh, including uh, Sean Pearson, Jonathan Bloom, Kev, Single Malt, Brad Anderson, Nathan Gregory, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this, and I'm sorry if I say it wrong, uh, Surrogard, and Nate. So you guys are all amazing. Thank you so much for your support. Um, it means the world to us. It really does. It allows us to uh, keep the show going keeps uh upgrading our hardware working on stuff like that and doing a lot of other fun stuff for the community so um yeah there we go any,
3: any chance i'm being heard yet
1: you are being heard nate there you are
3: hey how are Let's, you i'm i'm very well i'm very very pleased to be here very excited T- sort of two two uh, two shows in a row which i think i may have done once ever so ah. this is the deeply exciting
1: i know we need to we need to make sure that you're on the show more often i keep bugging (laughs) you about it and i'm just like hey but uh (laughs) whenever whenever you get a chance to actually come on the show it is it is amazing and and for those who don't know nate is a permanent part of of tales of tamriel it's just you know that wacky
3: real life man it sucks yeah man it it gets in the way it gets in the way except for last week when it 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 very much didn't get in the way and i you know, got to do a special interview for you guys, which um, got some good numbers. I, I saw on mm-hmm. uh, the YouTube alone, so it looks like it was popular. I know was, um, Zoss tweeted it, and Rich Lambert tweeted at me afterwards as well. He uh, he loved the interview. I love Rich nice. Lambert. He's like the coolest guy ever. He's the nicest. He's the nicest guy. He's lovely. Yeah,
1: he he's great. Uh, you may notice we're in game again. You'll get to see my lovely face. I'm sorry about that, everyone, but uh, you know, we're here for another in game uh episode which is they're always fun to do i I actually really do enjoy doing these um but we will be going back to our other format um in you know video format for those of you who watch it for podcast listeners everything's probably identical so you're like i don't know what everyone's all worried about but for uh the youtube viewers it is a little different but uh here we are so i guess uh really before we begin oh i should say hi to the chat room you guys are awesome for showing up i mean we got a nice active chat room today so you guys are great thank you so much for showing up on this saturday uh afternoon or evening i don't know when does the flip actually happen oh i don't know for you guys it's really late so i guess it's you know late for you guys
2: i'm starting any day so <laughs> oh, it's
1: morning for you all right yeah all right yeah,
2: uh, i'll make this my morning from now on 3 a.m is my morning now
1: all right well you know that's that's what you get uh, yeah, Tales of Tamriel, your weekly international Elder Scrolls podcast um, I think we're the only one who does that, I don't really count Canada, sorry Elder Scrolls off the record um,
3: three, uh, three simultaneous countries, that's that's pretty cool
1: yeah, yeah, and it, actually from like, fairly far away because we got the east coast of the United States we got England and Turkey so, I mean that's that's pretty Brilliant. awesome alright, well you guys came here to hear tales cuz that's what Tales of Tamriel is all about. So before we get into the other parts of our show, we got to stick with our tales. What have we been doing in in game this week? And let's let's get that talking. So uh Nate, since you are not our guest, but you know, the the co-host who's kind of like our guest of honor today, why don't you go first?
3: <laughs> yeah, well, this week, I mean, as with all my weeks, I spend an awful lot of time in PvP. We've got a a PvP topic coming up later, so I'm not going to delve too much into that. But um, uh, I've had quite a lot of success this week, particularly today. Pulled in about 300,000 AP today, which is uh, among the higher the higher totals that I do in a day. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, I've done a lot with housing. I bought my first house. I decided to buy as big as I wanted because I figured, well, I'm not going to buy. I'm realistically not going to buy another house, not for a long time, probably. So I was gonna buy the house in Rivenspire actually because I, I I like the design of that even though it's Daggerfall Covenant territory it's um they're my favourite designs and mm-hmm. I love the community that was around it there's um it's a house called is it Mistvale Manor I think it's called in the Rift oh no not the one in the Rift sorry no um, I actually have to look you say oh, Rivenspire yeah, that's, no, that's that's mist that's Mistvale Keep and yes that one is in the Rift no. Um, ravenhurst is, yes
1: yeah i just pulled so, it up on the map so gameplay is king here ladies and gentlemen because it allows me to double check what we're talking about
3: fact is i didn't buy that one after all um with my um my my shield wife and my future real wife uh we went through all of them and we picked out one we wanted to do uh, we wanted to have together so i actually bought the one in is uh, is your fiance playing she watches me play. You oh, need to get her in on this. She, she's very interested in the in the housing, so she's been um, she's been helping me decide that. We did a lot of rearranging of furniture and things today, so this morning. So um, so that's been good. I bought the one in uh, in Wayrest, the uh, Gardener's House. It's called.
1: Oh, okay. Is but that a I medium? Decided...
3: Yeah, I I decided to go for that one because visually it's very similar to the one that was in Rivenspire. It's a very similar architecture. Um, it also has a very similar community feel around it. You know, a lot of the houses feel very isolated. You know, you can't see another house when you're standing outside. But the one in Ribbon Spy, you can. The one in um, in Wayrest, you can you can see the town of Wayrest around you. So I, I decided to go for that one because it was also larger. There's a large basement. There's a bigger bedroom upstairs, bigger area, plus a decent-sized outdoor space. So I went for that. Um, only did that this morning. So I'm still only you know, 12 hours in, and I spent probably nine of those hours playing PvP. So it's early days in terms of my career as a homestead furniture, but yeah. it was a lot of fun. And I've learned a lot in, in those few hours. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So
1: um, you, you like yeah. that community feel, which is odd because like even in real life, uh i don't like that community feeling i like the isolated feel like even my house is on four acres kind of away from everybody else well so. to
3: be honest that's 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 actually what kate was saying she was like i wouldn't have this house i'd have this one in the middle of nowhere where i can't see anybody right um but you know it it was there were my crowns so my crowns my choice um i did go for crowns and i decided the reason i went not fit to buy with crowns instead of gold apart from the fact that i didn't quite have enough gold to buy the house um was that they are not a lot more crowns to buy a fully furnished house and once you buy furnished all those items in the house you can put in your inventory you can put in a bank or put in a you know the free apartment you get um and there's a lot of value if you look at how much those individual items cost there's actually it's, it's actually pretty good value to to buy the furnished version um and then buy other stuff with with crowns and gold in game as well so i decided to do it that way and and you know not bankrupt myself in game mm. um so that was that was today and then uh if you want to hear another thing that i did before i before we say any other words because you asked me what i did this week and i did quite a lot this week is I went murdering people in the Gold Coast because I had a spare hour and I thought I'm going to go and do some Blade of Woe action, you know, moisten that blade a little bit. And out of nowhere, I thought I'd done everything in the Gold Coast. I I thought I'd I'd certainly done all the main storyline. I've been, I'm regularly in that zone crafting, um, finding materials for crafting because it has lots of um, node points around there. Guess who I ran into in game for the first time ever without even knowing that this character was in the game can you guess in wh- which area in the gold coast
1: in the gold coast you ran into a character it was nario you she nario's in the gold coast
3: yes or oh. is it hughes bane hang on which one was the thieves guild hughes bane is thieves Guild. Hughes bane sorry i mean hughes bane not the gold coast okay I mean hughes bane my apologies uh i I did not know she was in that DLC as a with a full quest line with her. Did not know that. Did you?
1: I did I not. Know. I haven't even done it yet. I mean, I yeah, finished Nari's gold and I, I was working on Craglorn, so that, I'm kind of like behind the you know eight ball, if you will. Yeah,
3: yeah. She she, she there's there's she's in there. You can find her uh, hiding behind a bush um, near uh, in in in. Um, I think she's in Anvil.
1: Okay. Well, Anvil would have. Hang on.
3: Anvil's the Gold Coast. I'm really confused yes. myself now. Here. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm, I'm a little confused myself too, because Anvil's oh, in actually, the Gold Coast.
3: I'm in game right now. Let me just have a quick look here. All right. Uh, yes, she is in the Gold Coast. The quest that I've got here, because I didn't do it. I wanted to, like, I was so surprised to find I was like, oh, I have to save some time to do this and really put all my attention into it. The quest is called a cordial collaboration, and um, it, it's in it is in the Gold Coast, and it says the assassin Nariu Virian must kill a dark elf noble in Kavatch. It's Kovach, I'm wrong again. To fulfill a contract for her shadowy organization. Blah 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 blah. So there's a whole line for Nariu that I didn't know about. So man, if you uh, if you didn't know Nariu was in the Gold Coast DLC, then uh, I suggest. <laughs> Play it. I mean
2: I pretty much ran around everywhere in gold Coast in you know instead of de- doing quests or anything useful I usually run around and i've never seen her
0: yeah
3: yeah no I thought I'd done everything too but she's she's there uh she's there i'm sure a quick google search will um will will reveal the exact location but i I remember her being um kind of crouching behind a bush behind a large sort of body of water within cavatch um and uh, there's a door next to her and uh, yeah it's uh, it's quite it's, it's quite good it's good it's exciting that is i
1: you know when you were mentioning thieves guild i'm sitting there thinking to myself i don't know why she would be part of thieves guild but i mean whatever i've seen weirder things um but yeah i'm glad glad that it's it's anvil because it, it sort of fits in with her being more in tong yeah. um to be in dark brotherhood to an extent like now what year was it i cannot remember the it's actually no it would have been right around this time where morig tong were outlawed everywhere except for morrow proper after the uh assassination of um the the uh what is what is his name the akaviri emperor or uh regent
3: you're pulling on some, some deep Morrowind knowledge. I,
1: I'm trying to remember his name. Sorian Chorak,
3: I think, is his name, and his and his whole family. We, I wish I could confirm that. I'm afraid your knowledge of, of, of that line goes deeper than mine. The
1: knowledge so, yeah. is there, but I'm bad with names. He he was the Potentate. He was the Akavari Potentate after the Raymond Dynasty sort of fell off. And um, the Potentate took over, so it was the first time that... Tamriel was ruled by foreign rulers, and uh, the Morag Tong killed him and all of his family. And that's actually kind of why we're in this interregnum, because after the Potentate died, there was no ruler until the uh, rising of Tiber Septim, our mm-hmm. early Beard, as it should probably be said. So, sorry, lore. I like lore, and this is what I do. I throw it in, so...
3: Um, well i'm 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 glad my discovery of nariu could lead us down such an early rabbit hole but yeah that was uh that was broadly my week in game how it bought a house did a lot of pvp found nariu without even trying it's uh, as weeks go in game not not bad
1: no it definitely is very nice um how, how's pvp going for you Let, let's let's kind of talk a little bit about that since we're kind of on on that i we don't get a lot of PvP talk here because no one here on the actual crew does a lot, other than my Imperial City Knights, which I'll I'll talk about later. But,
3: um, well, it, I mean, it depends who you ask as to how it's going. I mean, in terms, I mean, it's going well, but in terms of performance, um, well, there been there been a few a few changes. Um, one of the major changes is that they got rid of some of the campaigns, so yep. some of the lower populated campaigns.
1: That's um, only you,
3: right? uh well they are in EU i didn't know if the same had happened in north american server but um certainly in EU they got rid of two of them so now true flame which is the champion point 1 that has champion points enabled and azura star which um doesn't have champion points both of those are now dramatically overpopulated you know so the wait times are you can wait over 2 hours sometimes 3 hours to get into um some of those campaigns at peak times so um yeah it's really it's it that that's been quite a significant change but the performance despite the population um has been very good um in uh, Azera star with champion points disabled it's it's very good that the problem is is very much with champion points so you run into more performance issues in uh in true flame where they're enabled but uh broadly that's that's been great um they changed the amount of ap that you earn for doing some of the activities within the game so within pvp so like capturing keeps and outposts and resources and things you get um you get a lot more ap which is great but it's also meant that we've seen a rise of people flipping them you know so Mm. you you see them being taken and taken back very very quickly because you get very large amounts of ap for doing that so (coughs) that's become a little bit of a problem um but overall experience wise you know for the "Quote unquote average person," and I think. Uh, I think PVP is very exciting right now. It's a lot going, a lot's going well.
1: Excellent. I do need. To, I'm probably going to hop in during this double uh, AP event. These I really need to farm for akaviri motifs, yeah. um, and you know they're they're fairly expensive. Um, but with the boost, I don't think their prices got boost. Thank goodness, uh, they no, weren't they're, cheap,
3: they're- but. Uh, They're the same. I mean, some of them are five hundred thousand AP a piece at this point. So, like chests, five hundred thousand AP. Yeah. So you you do need a, you do need a lot. But I mean, depending on how you play, I mean, you can earn that. You can earn that in a day. Like, if you really play, if you if you play the game hard, you can earn five hundred thousand AP in a day. Um, The most I've done is just over three hundred thousand, and that's not even playing like all day and all evening, which I I did today. I did about three hundred thousand today. So wow, it's 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 not hard to do if, if if you're playing, but. It depends how you play, and if you're playing, I was I don't want to say casually in a bad way, but it but you know if you're just sort of running around a bit idly or just with a couple of friends or mm-hmm. or what have you, you know you're not going to hit those sorts of numbers at all. You have to be pretty pretty focused on the on on the task at hand,
1: right? No, and it makes sense. I I, I would believe that. I just I need to get with a group and and do some PvP. I've honestly not done any real Cyrodiil PvP um, since. Oh, my goodness, a long time ago, pretty much when I was farming for uh, Caltrops is the last time that I've really done much in Cyrodiil.
3: Yeah, they've, um, I mean, that's the weird thing about PvP. And, and I actually, you know, it wasn't part of my interview with um, with Brian and Matt and uh, Rich the other day. But, I, you know, we did talk a lot about PvP because they play, they play a lot. And Matt actually said he plays PvP with a gamepad which I thought was mad because it's very difficult to play that with a, with a gamepad But he said he did, and um, and but Rich and Brian, I mean, they play a lot. Like they play a hell of a lot on their own characters, you know, in in their own evenings. And um, so we went through some of our builds, and uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cheat by telling you what they said is like the best build in the game right now. But let's just say that Black Rose is still very good um, <laughs> for, for, for me um so it's good to get a little bit of, book of confidence uh for that but they're really excited about pvp you know there's there's a lot they they want to they, they want to do with it there's a lot they're not happy with and you know that's part of the reason why um you know the news that came out this week which i guess we'll be talking about shortly um came out this week
1: yeah 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 which yeah we'll hit that at the end of of the show and we actually talk about uh our elder scrolls news that happened this week um as well as um our discussion about the interview that we had. So, all
3: right. well, well. I just found a fantastic elf in uh, Greenshade who I didn't know is here. She's oh. lovely.
1: Why is she? Is she very pretty? I mean,
3: she's it's... very pretty. She's mm. doing a very nice dance. Okay,
1: um, all right. Is it a Dunmer? Or...
3: No, she's a Bosmer.
1: Oh, oh a all right.
2: Name. Well, oh. at least not an Altmer, oh. though. Would yeah. yeah
1: you know i'll talk about it in my tales later but i was actually doing um i was doing some stuff in craglorn and there's this one little wood elf the bosmer that you meet in the valley of scars her name is little leaf and little
3: leaf yeah 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 she is
1: adorable
3: Little Leaf's great, yeah. She does one of those repeatable quests. Yes, yeah. You can repeat her quest, so you get to basically replay that that love every day. Also, I think this girl's an Altmer. I just went into first person mode, and it would make sense since she's in green shade. But,
1: yeah. But uh, I know I was when I was playing. Uh, Thais was watching me for a little bit, and she came down and looked, and she's like, "Who is that?" And I said, "It's, it's Little Leaf." And She's like, what race is it? Because she doesn't quite look like a Bosmer until you really look at the eyes. The eyes kind of give it away. Um, but she's like, she is the cutest Bosmer I've ever seen. Because she's always got this, like, her personality is very bubbly. She's got a really big smile on her face. Um, she is she is a very attractive Bosmer. Like, you know. Um, and uh, Thais was just in love with her. She's like, she is the cutest thing ever. So... <laughs> yeah yeah,
3: yeah there's, there's a lot of great elves in in this game like kate was saying if she rolls a character she's she's gonna have to play now she's like which elf which which, which should i be and i was like well there are two wrong choices and one very much correct choice
1: this is elves. true this is true blood for the pact. um the problem is i will say the one thing that you know, it, the shallow side of me um the dunmer while are the coolest elves are very hard to make attractive. There's a few like there's a few that are really attractive and the ones I'm thinking of mostly. If you've done Bao Fulian, um the general and her daughter, Sergeant CN, they are really good looking Bosmer. Or not Bosmer, uh Dunmer. But they're kinda hard to to get that face that facial structure. A lot of the other ones have very Angular faces and kind of an angry look, um. So yeah. it, it's hard well, I to get those. To,
3: I I have to say, despite their association to AD, the Bosmer have my love. Bosmer I are really love, cool. I actually like Bosmer. I love me some tree elves, some wood elves. Um, if if I had to uh, morph Kate, she'd become that Bosmer,
1: and they're short too, which I like. I mean, short. I like short elves um Yeah. No. i like the bosmer i i know the the part that they hates about them is the green pact with you know the cannibalism yeah. but mm-hmm.
3: the meat mandate yeah yeah
1: who i mean hey
3: we all have our burdens we all have our crosses to bear
1: I'm, um all i'm saying is they probably should throw the best barbecues you know <laughs>
0: yeah. and, well, and you, was-
1: you never ask the bosmer when you go to a barbecue can i bring anything and they're like no just show up that's good enough Huh?
3: Yeah, Get don't it? Bring me <laughs> just just bring your arm Just, or just leg. show up. <laughs> it's amazing how much uh, it's amazing how much hate there is for elves in the chat. By the way, I'm just looking at all this. You know, uh, Galiskner says burn it, which may well relate to a Bosmer. There's most likely. To, you know, did the stream cut out? I swear he said there's lots of good looking elves. What <laughs> he must have meant to say is there are lots of good looking dead elves. <laughs> there is such a thing as a good Bosmer dudes. <laughs> Dude. I'm, yeah, I'm I was not going to lie. There The you know?
1: Tales of Tamriel does have a lot of elf hate, and I can't say that I'm not the progenitor of that elf hate. Um, but I'm a Nord, so yeah, you know, damn I knife mean, ears. I I didn't hate elves this much
2: before I joined the Tales community, you know. I mean I hated Altmers a bit, that's yeah, was yeah. Because, that was because of Skyrim. But oh, good to Altmer. Altmer. are the worst elves. They are? But in due time, yes. that hate spread to Bosmer and Dunmer as well. Well, Dunmer less, so, because they're still in the pact mostly, and I can tolerate that, but I don't know. Ag just spreads elf hate all the way. I, I really
1: do. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. there is a lot of elf hate. From my point of view, I'm I'm not a big elf lover, uh, with the exception of some of the Dunmer, and mostly because I mean they do have that whole Nariu. brothel because in. Of Nariu, oh it? my that's goodness, Nario. Yes, you that, can't that's, hate Nario. That's,
3: that's why. It, that's why you you love and and that's fine. That is an acceptable reason. However, the Busmer are a bunch of hippies, which are which are great. The only ones that really need hating are the Altmer, because you know I can accept a bunch this. You know, Altmer, are, being too, you've Altmer got to be are blunt assets. about these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, family show be damned, I'm afraid that uh, that's like, I mean truth. it it
1: fits for Altmer. I mean, there's really not an adjective that fits for Altmer other than that. So. I think so. Um yeah, I mean really the whole Aldmeri Dominion their major problem is the fact that they have Altmer in them. I mean, cuz I love Khajiit I mean, they're they're like the best. Um but uh yeah, no. Altmer kind of kind of ruin it for everyone, you know. You know what they say one uh one spoiled apple ruins the bunch so
3: they do say that they do it's it's a thing so well well there you go that's my that's my week in game exhaustively summarized there via the medium of conversation yeah
1: (laughs) well you might actually have a few more comments to make once i uh get to my gameplay um, yep. As soon as I try to kill this Draugr Archer who is happening to kind of wreck my face right now, which kind of sucks. Um, I'm on my Stam Sork again because I've taken this opportunity um, for when we have to do gameplay to simply... Um, there we go. Oh, there, there we go. Um, to do this because I can level her up without you know paying much attention because she's already doing quests I've done. This is not the way I normally play the game. I normally play the game, and get this, and I'll talk about it more, but I've been doing a lot of first person lately. Um, and and I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I don't play the game like this, but this is an alt character who I'm literally leveling up just so she can be a crafting slave. Um, so I need to get her about 100 skill points so that way she can, uh, so she can do all extra crafting and do more writs for me every day. Because Ritz, 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 Ritz. That's what I like to do. Um, but now, one of the reasons why I don't play my main on this when we do this stream is because I can't really pay 100% attention to it because I actually have to be paying attention to the progress of the show, make sure the show is continuing to move on and you know follow the notes. So I'm, I'm not paying as much attention, nor am I reading everything. So don't take this as this is how I play normally. But when I do play normally... It is very slow and methodical because I do read everything. I do open every case. I I just go nuts with it. I Um, can confirm that. Yeah, yeah. And actually, speaking of this, Ark, we need you to come play on the EU. Or not EU. We don't want to play on EU. We want you to play on North America again because I still haven't done Runes of Mazatune and Cradle of Shadows. And I need someone to run through it with me where they don't mind if I sit there and read every book I find.
3: Hey, you know what? Two of, two of the three of us are on one server. There's only one of us who isn't on the EU server, so... Mm-hmm, maybe you come ah. to us, why not, yes? Ah. That
2: makes sense. Uh, that makes
1: sense. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about... Our well, no, I, yet. Our I'm, a I'm character.
2: kind of in both servers, so... Uh, yeah. I so... guess I balance things out. So.
1: <laughs> and in fact, his North American server character is higher. Um, yes, that is true. That is uh, true. So, Unfortunately. Judges, if we're going to add this as a vote, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking NA might win. But my EU character has the better house.
2: So, well, the same house, but it's a lot more polished, I guess. So my home is in EU right now.
1: All right, all right. Um, I still don't – I have – I finished the quest finally for the – for the housing like because it took me a while um i still don't have enough money yet to get my big house so i'm, I'm just waiting uh i did buy the i got my inn, but i did buy the flaming nicks or whatever which is just another in room because it was cheap it was like ten thousand, so it's like yeah whatever
3: good for storage good yeah for storage.
1: i have my banker in there so yeah
3: i 've got my, my banker in my house as well it 's quite good i 've spent about two hundred thousand gold today just buying up all this stuff um, from all the regional vendors um, that i 've earned over the last three years of playing you know earning achievements like there's tons of stuff which by the way, if you want to make some money, like you can sell some of that stuff for about ten times um, what it costs you in gold if you 've got them they 're not bound to your character. The achievement ones are, but the, the normal ones aren't very nice. Yes. Wow. <laughs>
1: Um, but yeah, so before I get into what I've actually been doing in game, the other week I was streaming and I know there were a few people who are, or who were watching me and I, and I appreciate the patience I was playing, but I was kind of tired. So I didn't turn my camera on. I didn't really feel like talking, but I, I just felt like streaming. Right. So that doesn't necessarily make for a very interesting stream. Like it's really not. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to do this, how could I make something that's not interesting, which is, you know, someone playing the game but not actually talking, interesting. So I decided I'm going to do everything 100% in first person. And I was doing Craglorn at the time. Um, And I, I actually by doing this and then I decided what I was actually going to do is I was going to read lore books and anything I read, I'd read through the aspect of my character. Well, obviously if I'm walking through a dark hallway, I'm not just going to be chatting to myself like a crazy person. I'm, I'm going to you know, shut my trap and try not to get spotted, but I would read the lore books. But as I'm walking through first person, I will tell you what it is. It makes gameplay very difficult. I mean, I died to a few world bosses, because if you've done the Kraglorn Delves, they're meant for groups. But I have a fairly good build. And by groups, I'm talking like two or three people, not not big groups. But I have a fairly good survivable build. Um, But doing it in first person really does complicate the issue quite a bit. Because it is very hard to see any type of... um, any type of markings on the ground whatsoever. All right. So like I'm fighting mm -hmm. stuff and pretty much it got, I was fighting. Actually, let me just pull it up here on the map just so I can kind of talk intelligently about it. Uh, Zalgo's delve, Zalgaz's delve in lower Kragorn. If I, I think that was the one. um, But when you go in, it's full of Naga. So when you're fighting, the final boss is three Naga who summon more Naga, right? So it, it was incredibly difficult, um, and the only way I was actually able to beat it was I pretty much had to kite these things nonstop, just running around in a giant circle while I'm attacking, trying to keep these things alive or keep myself alive while killing them. Um, so it does put a lot of <laughs> a lot of strain on the person doing because first person is incredibly difficult in this game. Um, the other thing that I noticed is. Man, you really appreciate the world when you're in first person. Like I'm walking through a delve and I'm looking at everything. Like just it is a different feeling altogether. So Because of this, I've actually I don't I don't kill myself like I do on the stream. When I get to a world boss, I go to third person. It's just easier, you know, or anything like that. It's just easier. But during my normal questing I go in first person again.
3: Yeah, that's 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 what I do. It, it, first person for everything except combat. Um, oh,
1: even combat I do first person. Except for if it's like a delve boss or something that's you know meant to be harder.
3: See, I, I actually have recently started going one step further as well, and I actually also use a gamepad if I'm just doing, you know, just simple PVE exploring, um, you know, easier delves, um, reading books you know i'll sometimes switch to my to my gamepad because i'll i just i lean back in the in the chair and i just i don't know i feel a weird sense of additional immersion by not being sort of you know hunched forward over myself you know i can lean back and just sort of enjoy the world for what it is
0: Hmm.
1: i might give you know an what shot. what
3: this gives
2: me an idea um we should do a dungeon uh, some of the hard ones, as a challenge, completely in first person. Everyone, <laughs> all four of us, okay. does it in first person.
3: I'd be up for that.
1: I, I would do it. I mean, it is very difficult. I, I, I will not lie to you. It is very difficult. But I would do it. Um, And I will say, like, you really do appreciate the world. Like, when you're going through exploring things, it it really does give the game a completely different feel. So... That was just something that, you know, it started as a gimmick of how can I make questing while I'm streaming when I really don't feel like being on camera, I really don't feel like just talking to try to entertain or whatever, which maybe I should have just thought to myself, maybe I shouldn't stream today, but that that didn't come into my mind. Um, But trying to come up with a way of making something different that not everyone was doing, and by doing that, I realized, wow, this is a fascinating way to play the game and it was a lot of fun something that i then started taking on to my normal gameplay sessions so
3: you know you can go one step further and disable all the ui and if you really want immersion that's quite fun to do
1: disabling well to the not. ui
3: his Sab- character
2: is too squishy to disable the ui oh
3: no uh, sick burn. <laughs> burn um <laughs> Yeah, no, but it, it, it's quite nice to do. Um, when I was doing all the exploring of the houses, I do that all with UI off, because okay. you can, you sort of, you, you, you've got muscle memory. You know when to press, when to press E and 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 things. So you can you can do. I mean, you cannot do combat. I mean, not even remotely easily. But
1: for it's just very like difficult
3: general exploration. You can. It's quite a nice experience.
1: It is, and it actually allows you to notice detail that you wouldn't pick up right away otherwise you know like you might run right by something like hay bales and i know like oh it's just a hay bale but you you can actually see a lot of detail in these hay bales as i'm walking by the wood grain there's a lot of stuff you
3: can do you can see some of the design work that goes into into the brickwork yep. you know which really differs significantly between between zone to zone like it's really easy to forget that because a lot of you know, a lot of things do look the same from, from place to place um, uh, on a kind of micro level. But the brickwork is one of the things that really doesn't, you know, just walls and, and things mm-hmm. like that in certain places. If you go to somewhere like, you know, Reaper's March and you look at some of the sort of regional walls and then you go, you know, anywhere else, you know, Betnick or Glenumbra or something, you'll, you'll
1: well, you can. Just the bricks are. I'm glad you actually said that because, like, I'm looking at a wall right now. Just a stone wall, and I'm in Eastmarch, and the Nords—it's—it's it's cut stone, but it's very roughly cut. Now you go anywhere in the Bosmer lands for—or not Bosmer, the uh, Dunmer—and it is very uniform, very clean cut stone. Everything is, you know, it all the seams line up. You know, like it—you it, can tell there's a difference between the rough cut. Which is the Nordic stone versus the very, very straight-cut stone of Dunmer construction. Yeah. It, it's it's yeah. very fascinating. It um, and it, it's something that you don't necessarily appreciate when you're playing the game in third person. Just, you know, you're running quest to quest. You don't appreciate that level of detail. Well... Um, So now that we got that out of the way, I know it was kind of a meta topic more than anything, but it was still, you know, it was it was fun to talk about and and lead into. So I have started working on Craglorn Quest, um, which, you know, I was doing in first person and I've done a little bit. But as of right now, a lot of it has been I've been working on a PVP build with Galsner and I needed skill points. So I've been running around doing all the delves. I haven't really advanced the story since then i've just been just been working on on um doing the quests that way or the delves to get my my sky shards and i still think i need two more skill points so i gotta gotta do a few more of those delves but i'll get to them um then i ran pledges on tuesday and we did vaults of madness and banished cells that was a lot of fun we had a lot of lower level players with us so Uh, didn't do it on veteran, did it on normal, but it was nice to actually get out with the community. Um, and of course, if anyone's playing on the North American mega server, which is the best server, by the way, um, join our guild. I mean, we do events every Tuesday is our uh, official pledge night. Albeit if you ask in guild during the week, I'm sure people would actually want to do pledges. Um, and then Thursdays we do Imperial city, which I'll talk about here in a little bit and fridays is
2: the trial night
1: yeah and actually i think we're adding another imperial city night on saturdays um and i know uh robot dancer blood eye in the guild and all that fun stuff she does a lot of early guild events for people uh, meaning like um on on Saturday, she's doing events for, I would say, Lobies. We don't have to be a lobby to go, but it's like Sky Shard hunting, World Boss hunting, because they've changed how World Bosses are done. They're a lot harder to solo, especially if you're a new player. I can solo most World Bosses by myself. There's a few that give me a hard time. But the average beginner player might not be able to. So she does that on Saturdays as well. So, I mean, we got a fairly active guild schedule, so... If you want people to play with, come on out. We love having new people. Um, and what else did I do? Oh, Imperial City. Testing new builds uh, with Galsner. So I'm running a new PvP build, and we're still trying to fine-tune it. I did some dueling with Nerdman last night, and he just wrecked my face. Like, he just... he Nerd, did.
2: No, Don't duel with Nerdman. Well, he, he, he completely broke my entire confidence in... <laughs> in my character is a tank i mean yeah i wasn't running a pvp tank build with impenetrable impenetrable but <clears throat> i died in seconds i still can't get over it
1: <laughs> so don't don't deal with it Nordman. it was tough he runs the and um nate you'll probably know this he runs the spriggan build
3: oh good old spriggans yeah
1: yeah uh that is a pain in the butt build to counter because obviously if you don't know what spriggan is Uh, Spriggan's 5 step bonus allows you when you dodge roll you place a circle wherever you originate the dodge roll from that if anyone steps over it it explodes and does poison damage for a few seconds it is a real pain in the butt especially if what the guy does like what Nurban likes to do is just run around you and just dodge roll in a circle around you so you can't avoid hitting this stuff Um, but yeah, so I've been working on it. I need practice. I know I need practice with it. I've been working on it. It's uh, a 5 heavy, so it's 5 one, one um, 5 heavy, 1 medium, 1 one light to get that you know 6% bonus. And its main thing is I'm using a two-handed weapon because I like two-handed, and then a sword and shield. Its main set, which doesn't change, is Clever Alchemist five set being whenever you drink a potion you get like almost 700 weapon power so it's a it allows for a lot of burst really quickly so i have it set up that i have the five set when my sword and shields up so you know at the beginning of a fight i'll have my sword and shield set you know put um put reverberating bash to stun and put that healing debuff and then also set up to move on to my two handed where once I have that buff, I hop into my two hander and I do the big damage. Um, the second five set I I've been playing with, I'm not really sure which one I like most we've been playing with it. I have it set up that it's the jewelry, the boots and the belt is the five set bonus. So I'm able to kind of flip between these three sets. I have the first one being ravager. Um, F- uh, 5% chance or 9% chance I guess it is to just proc like another 700 weapon power like it's really powerful like with any kind of melee attack but proc based is what proc based is and I mean it goes it, it works okay that's actually been my least effective set that I've noticed the other one has been Meridia have you uh went up against anyone with Meridia Nate
3: um probably
1: what meridia does is anytime you block you have a 33 percent chance to blind the person for five seconds where they miss everything oh really it sucks gallusner's been running
3: it yeah i almost certainly have run up against that but um it's not one of the one of the names or the problems that i i'm familiar with so i'm assuming it doesn't happen that often
1: it actually doesn't we were actually talking about it <clears throat> excuse me surprised how little we see it anywhere else like why why we're not seeing it out and about i'm not really sure but not many people actually run that set um but i have that and i can give or take it i don't i don't know i hear my nordling upstairs he's he's kind of unhappy um yeah i can take or leave it the other five set which is a real killer fasala's guile so, between Fasala's Guile, the reverberating bash, and my disease proc weapon, you get something like 92% healing reduction.
3: I did wonder whether you were going to pick out Vicious Death when you were talking about these sets.
1: No, I, I'm that's still stamina, so... Oh,
3: yeah. Well, yeah, because that's the real murderous one in PvP a lot of the time, Vicious, Vicious Death.
1: I know a lot of people in Imperial City used to run Vicious Death because if people were running in a group, you could hit the lowest guy and cause off a chain reaction to kill off entire groups. I know yeah. that was a thing. I haven't seen as much Vicious Death lately, though.
3: It's gone down. It's gone down, but it's it's still there. It's it's still there. There are just other more populous, uh, popular sets now, and people got a little bored with it. Right. Right. Um, it's still there
1: interesting yeah that the Fasala's Guile my, my biggest problem is anyone who plays a Templar will know this Templars have like zero resource regeneration outside of Repentance okay now Repentance is a lifesaver but you still need dead bodies right um and in, in the case of the duels I was doing there's no dead bodies because it's just a one on one um, so we really have no form of resource regeneration. DKs can get back resources from doing ultimates, doing other things. Like There's ways for them to regenerate. Templars don't have it. And that seems to be my biggest thing I'm fighting right now with my build, is everyone that I fought, at least at the beginning, I am just doing insane damage between biting jabs and everything like that but I run out of stamina so fast that once I'm out of stamina, the fight's about, you know, it's over. Because there's really no way for me to get stamina back. Right?
3: Yeah. Do you play Azura's Star?
1: I play Hatteras.
3: Hatteras, okay.
1: Which is the seven-day resource campaign.
3: Yeah, because if you're playing, you know, in terms of resources, you know, playing with champion points um, on... Uh, True Flame, you know, makes that a lot less of an issue. Like, resource resource management in Azura's Star is, is is a real issue.
1: Well, even with...
3: Uh, and, and
1: I've been doing a lot of stuff dueling. I mean, given in PvP situations, there's enemies and stuff, so it's a little different. I actually did chase down a sniper <laughs> uh, during our Imperial City night who was picking off some of our lobies, so I started chasing him down. He's trying to attack me, and Fasala's Guile gives you a 50% Major Defile buff, so 50% of your healing anytime you attack me. And then with Reverb and then my Poison proc weapon, it's like 92%. Because Reverb's like 20-something, and then I think it's 12 12 for the Poison weapon. So, it... or disease, rather, I should say. Disease.
3: That's, That's some pretty good numerical knowledge for someone that doesn't really play PvP.
1: It's a lot of it. Stinks to Gallusner because him and I theory craft like crazy while I'm at work. As I was telling you, Discord is my like major procrastination tool, and like I'll be sitting there doing some work, like yeah, you know, just yeah, you know, programming a server or whatever, and then I go, hmm, I wonder if I could combine this set. So I hop on Discord and post in our channels and going, this is what I'm thinking about doing, and and as a group, we all kind of work together to figure out how to make sets work and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I don't PvP a whole lot, but when I do, I do get into it. Like, you should see people. I laugh like crazy. I do like PvP in my games. I'm just mostly a PvE player. Yeah. But Fasal's Guile, if I could keep my resources up, that's not a problem. And even with champion points enabled, this is the killer. I was just using the standard, my standard food, which was um, uh, health and stamina. I only have 700 regeneration for stamina. 700. That's nothing. And it really does hurt for my stamina regeneration a lot. Um, I, I have since tried changing a few things. Uh, the, I'm doing it slowly because I don't want to, like, people are like, you could put, instead of weapon damage on your jewelry, you could, you know, you could put. Um, resource regeneration on your jewelry but I don't want to lose that damage burst so I'm trying to do it very slowly and the first thing I did was I started using those delicacy meals which yep. give you health and then it's kind of like a mixture between drink and food it gives you health or a one stat and then a regeneration and I was doing health and stamina return and that got me up to about 1200 which really did help it really did. Um, I I may end up changing my Mundus Stone around since Thief is kind of like... I don't know. I think maybe even Warrior would be more advantageous to me because if people are running full Impen, I'm not critting that much anyway.
3: Well, I, I need... At some point, I really need to get some advice on rebuilding my DK because I, I, I've got to the point where I think... She's so average that she's not really good at anything. Mm. She's not bad at anything, but she's not good at anything. It's just everything is in the middle. And for PvP, for me, that's just no, that's no good. Um, so I'm thinking about uh, turning her into a Magicka DK um, instead of Stam right now, which is, which is what she is. So I, I'll need some advice. If anyone wants to help me rebuild from the ground up my, my main then I would gladly welcome the assistance because I'm not I'm not a strong theory crafter. I don't know some of that stuff
1: that's required. We will definitely help. We actually have an ESO theory crafting channel in our Discord chat where that's what we do. We literally sit there and talk about builds.
3: Then I will be joining that. And yeah, that
1: this is, throw out what you want to do in there. And Galsner, myself, uh, Sean you, a bunch of different people will hop in there and we'll, you know sit there and try to help with builds that's what we like doing i mean it is a lot of fun especially during the day when like you know lunch break we'll go out and i'll sit there on like yeah any of the fan sites that link guilds like uh, the uh flex Flextra life or whatever it is site yeah. and just go nuts trying to look up sets and try to figure out stuff so yeah definitely man check us out i mean you're part of the community now obviously yeah. but since i got you into our discord yeah, um,
3: I'll, be, I'll be doing that. I'll be checking. That.
1: I can help you too, but that
2: would probably be the worst build you ever had. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it, it, all, it's a all lot of PvP fun. talk and I'm just standing there like, what they are talking about. What is, what is PVP?
1: I do what enjoy PVP. There? I, I, I like the raiding scene. That's, that's my love. That's the love. PVE raiding, stuff like that. That's what I really like to do. But I, I, not gonna lie and say i don't enjoy uh i don't enjoy the occasional um pvp escapade so i know battlegrounds are something that Galster and i are really looking forward to so um which we will talk about a little later
2: battlegrounds i might get into yeah but yeah i'll keep that for the discussion
1: part so yeah we'll we'll hit that up here near the end um yeah, and I then on Friday we did trials. Uh, our normal trial runner uh, Kiltit, He's been out, so I took over. Um, we just did hellra normal hellra. Nothing, nothing too strenuous because you know I'm normally not the one who leads those. It, it's another person, but I wanted to make sure the event kept going. So we did the weekly, which was just hellra. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. We got a lot of people had never done it before as well, so we took a, a few people through who have never actually experienced a trial. So that was that was always a plus. I mean, I like to get people since rating is something that I really like. I like introducing rating to people. So that that was always fun. That's kind of the end of my tales. I know I kind of went pretty long (laughs) but uh i hope i didn't bore anyone maybe i don't know um so why don't we go ahead and hop into our discussion for this week obviously the first thing that we're going to talk about is nate you were blessed with the ability to go and talk with a bunch of people
3: yeah i mean without 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 wanting to like mess with your thing here did did you want to do news well I guess we could do news if if we wanted no, we don't to. Have to. I just wondered if you'd forgotten that we hadn't done news. Because... No, no, no,
1: no. We have news, but there's only a few little things. We'll do that after oh, the big discussion. Okay. That's not a big deal. Um we'll just hit that up first since yeah. There's not a, the news topics are kinda hit or miss. We'll just hit that before the end. Uh the discussion here, obviously, last week we released well actually no, it was Wednesday. Um we released uh the interview that Nate got to do with matt fire rich lambert and brian wheeler in london um Mm. so if you haven't listened to it yet you should go back and listen to it because it was really good but now that we had that interview i thought it would be fun for the tales of tamriel crew as a crew to get together and kind of do a in review kind of idea and and look at what was discussed last week and kind of go over any high points that we really noticed um, so, I mean, if there's no objections, Nate, why don't you go ahead first and just kind of give a little background, if you will, about how yeah. you kind of did it and then I'll hit my notes.
3: Yeah, sure. do, Sure thing. Well, I mean, uh, how I did it is I know, um, quite a few of the guys at, at Bethesda quite well, and they know obviously my, my love of the game. Um, and so they... I mean, I can. I I told Ag about this. Um, like, there was so little that I was allowed to say, but it's like, I've got to keep this date free. It's going to be amazing. And basically, in my head, I knew that I knew they must be doing something big because in the three years that the game has been out, they've not hosted anything, you know, as 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 big as this. You know, the kind of thing where they'd reach out and basically say, "Hey, Nate, listen, you are going to probably want to keep this entire day free." Uh, we can't say why just yet, but we think you really will want to keep it free. So I was thinking, OK, well, this has got to be this has got to be pretty big um, to, to do this, because, you know, when they released on consoles, when they did one Tamriel, you know, that stuff went by without having anything like that um, teased uh, in London, you know, event wise. So I was like, this must be big. But the timing confused me because it was going to be a week after Homestead launched, which was you know, strange it would be a week later if it was to do with Homestead, and also strange given that Homestead wasn't a paid piece of content, so it's not like promotion was gonna lead to, you know, lots and lots of press for for something that they could make money off the back of. And even though we then knew that um that the Morrowind um stuff had been announced, we knew that there was gonna be months away before its release, so hosting an event so About it so much earlier like it seems if they're doing that they must be doing something really big with that um so i assumed it must be something along those lines and um yeah so they they said to me um, you know we'd love you to to host this and um you know it'll be matt and brian and you'll have you know some time with them before the event and then there'll be a presentation and then there'll be an on-stage interview for about an hour um, and then you know we will spend some time with them uh, after the fact, which was which was which was really great. And so out of that, we got the on-stage interview, which was um, recorded in front of it was probably about a hundred people, and about eighty of those people were sort of European press who'd flown in from across the continent for um, for the event. And um, and yeah. then afterwards, I we went back to Bethesda's offices in uh, in London and did. Um, i sort of had a the second interview that you'll have heard um in the midweek episode which was just with with brian and that was and that was great and then and then after that because it got quite late you know the guys had finished doing all the press with the other guys so um i think i spent you know probably about 45 minutes or so just um sitting with um with brian and, and rich just sort of off the record chatting about pvp and what they do and yeah it was just it was just a really it was a great day i learned so much i wish we you know we could have put more out than we did but um you know they were they were happy to to have me do it i was obviously very happy to do it and uh hopefully you guys who have, who have heard it think it was it was worthwhile um me doing so that's uh that's the background to to how that all that all came about and and hopefully you'll you know down the line we'll do something similar again I
1: yeah think. absolutely um, and, and I, I got to say, Nate, it was, it was fantastic. We've gotten nothing but compliments from that entire interview because oh, awesome. there were quite a few tidbits in there because obviously when we released it, there was an embargo. And like you said, there was about 80 other press. So there was a lot of people releasing information, but even like the Reddit, like, you know, the Elder Scrolls online Reddit uh, did a big collab of all the information that was available and... They pretty much highlighted our our episode going like we cannot recommend the tales of Tamriel episode enough like oh, great it it was really popular um and honestly, there were a few things that came up which uh I'll hit up my notes that no one else covered that we managed to to weasel we,
3: out of the group you so. know that's actually what i you know i was I was hoping you would do because. You know for me you know prep going into something like this i mean this is you know my job you know for people who don't know like my my career my job is as a is as a journalist as a technology and gaming journalist so you know going in and doing things like this you know i i do a lot of this sort of thing frequently but not usually for something that i'm as close to and as obsessed with as elder scrolls so you approach it with this this need to be objective and um you know journalistic and you you're not just asking them exactly what they asked and you're writing all your own questions um, but as a result, you're sort of so deep in it in terms of prep and obviously doing it that after the fact, it's it's actually quite difficult to read somebody else's story and, and remember whether what they wrote actually came up in the interview you did, which I know sounds really, really weird, but it's um you put your head up for water and everything just sort of sounds the same. So the fact that I was able to go through and think, oh, well, we had this and we had this and we had this and we had this and nobody else did. Like that's super useful for me to, to know, to be honest, because I sort of forgot what you know as i say what what we got that others didn't but
1: right yeah no it it was it was fantastic everyone loved it um so and i well,
3: mean i was uh, loved it because they tweeted the hell out of it and yeah uh, rich yeah rich sent me a message afterwards and said he loved it so that was
1: neat yeah no it was it was great and i mean obviously um it was funny because we actually saw um off topic uh, sort of someone had saw you know they liked our stuff but they were like wow you know they, they'd never seen our channel before and I know they were, they were mentioning like how did how did uh how did like a new channel get you know an opportunity like I'm like well this isn't just our first interview if you mm. go back and look and I've had the opportunity and and uh, amazing opportunity to talk with rich in the past back for episode 100 he's an amazing amazing passionate guy so yeah. it, it's really cool and then we we talked with one of their uh, coders back in the day, way long ago. Uh, I'm not even sure actually if he's still with Zoss or not. I have to I have to hunt him down on LinkedIn. Um, but it it was amazing that we got a chance to talk to him. And these guys as a whole are so interactive with their community, like more so than any other game company I've ever dealt with. They are just very open, even so much as like. Uh, obviously, Dungeon Crawl Network follows a lot of indie titles, and we have a good rapport with a lot of indie studios, um, and and they are, and they are very interactive. Which obviously they have to be. They don't have the, they don't have the marketing that these big companies do for promotion. So how do they get promotion? It's through you know, other people. So by interacting with content producers, they get their names out there. Um, but these guys, not needing to do that, having the large pockets that bethesda and zenimax have they're still willing to interact with the the very passionate community and that's really cool
3: yeah definitely and you know one of the things that i that i took away you know took away from um from the day is it's sort of what you you don't really you know whenever you see the guys uh and and this isn't just elder scrolls and Zos and bethesda guys on, on streams but all kind of gaming creators you know it's always with there's always the um, necessary air of of you know like marketing and promotion you know they're not the pr speak yeah to say bad things about themselves and so obviously they're going to say they love what they're doing and the latest thing is the best thing and and all that stuff and they're always very honest on you know they'll they'll they've always been good about putting their hands up and saying yeah you know we know pvp isn't really great right now and we're doing our best to fix it and bear with us. and you know that was that was that was great but it's really when you when you spend basically a day with them, you know, on the record and off the record and you're just chatting, you realise just how much these guys love this game. Like they love what they're doing. Like there's nothing you know, I threw so many questions at them that we you know, that I wasn't gonna be able to record or write about or anything. Just to try and like just garner like the tiniest little bits of hyper geeky knowledge like these guys I mean obviously they know everything but they really care about everything that they answer and they there's a passion that comes through that's it's really encouraging to you like there is no way these guys are going to try and are going to want to do anything that is anything less than amazing for the community like it's it's really you come I I came out of that day incredibly reassured that this game is in very good hands very good hands
1: yeah the development staff obviously just they do have a passion for this game and uh <coughs> it it does show it really does so i've arc no arc are you still there
3: his mic might be muted okay
1: no i thought he said something there for a second so um, whenever you want, you can just jump on in there. Uh, all right, so I had, I picked out a few highlights from the from the interview that we can all kind of hit on. And obviously, if you guys, either of you, really had anything that you wanted to throw in or you thought of, you can you could do the same. But I wrote I wrote a few things. Um, so one of the first things that I really noticed, especially right off the bat, was the amount of nostalgia that this Marwind is going to bring in. Like, obviously, Marwind was my first Elder Scrolls game, and it was actually, uh, and I think I spoke about this back on Episode 1 of Tales of Tamriel, like, why I like the Elder Scrolls franchise. Marwind was the first PC game I bought with my own money, that, like, I actually went out, earned the money, and bought. I mean, I had a few other little games that, you know, like, my parents, when I was younger, would have bought me or whatever, but it wasn't anything that I was really in love with if you'll say it was like hey we got you this i'm like oh great thanks but it was this game that i really got into that i was like yes this is the first game that i picked up that i wanted that i was like this is going to be my game and given when i was younger and i apologize for coughing folks i'm still still dealing with illness i'm trying to trying to keep it down but uh yeah it was my first game so there's always a heavy nostalgia i know i squeed like crazy and can i and this isn't really an interview but i'll tell you what when i saw vivek on the top of their their official trailer i, I was like <gasps> it was amazing because did you see that they have the dual skin
3: yeah yeah yeah
1: and that was something that i, I we talked about earlier that the tribunal, when I first saw um, uh, Amalexia, I was disappointed. I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't. I was disappointed
3: what, in the Elder Scrolls storyline.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now early, she didn't really have any real special model. Her model was scaled a little bit, and they had it that. Was basically,
3: gl- it was a regular character model, wasn't it? Basically,
1: it was. It was a regular character model, and I was disappointed. Now, given of all of them, like, she didn't have any special hair or anything like that. It was just tied back in a normal bun, you know. What was available? It was a character model. And
3: that was disappointing. I yeah, threw a point out there. Yeah. Isn't it one of the differences that they're, they're mortal gods? Is that part of the reason why? Well, see, she actually looks like her
1: original Chimuri self. Because she was she was able to reverse the curse on herself. So she's not... She was actually meant to have a golden hue. More Altmer-esque. Um, than, than not. I don't know why they didn't go with that route. But they didn't. Um, but outside of that... They, they are... I don't want to say they're mortal gods. Because through their quote-unquote use of Lorcan's tools they've achieved divinity yeah. so they are different than others but yeah. their power is borrowed essentially from stealing Lorcan's power from the heart of Lorcan. whether or not you believe that if you're part of the dissident priest faction i don't know i don't know your dunmary beliefs but uh <clears throat> if you listen to the dissident priest and the the ashlanders they'll tell you that they stole divinity from from using the remains the last remains of a of a true dead god so they they were mortal but now they're something else but again it's not from themselves it's from the power they stole from work so but she had a very normal model like of all three of them now given in in the elder scrolls 3 she kind of had a different hairstyle that wasn't available in the game for any other character so she kind of had a unique look <coughs> excuse me sorry about that but uh it wasn't it wasn't nuts now sotha Sil, which they did say is not not available he's he's somewhere else so, we won't see him with, well, at least when Marwin comes out. But Vivek, the warrior poet, he had a unique look. He had that dual aspect about him. Um, and if you know anything about Dunmerry lore and the lore of the tribunal, he's actually a hermaphrodite. So, he's both male and female. And in showing that duality that he does. Throughout his entire existence, through being hermaphrodite, through changing his skin color so he's half Chimer, half Dunmer, he's showing that duality. Also, and a lot of it is the good and evil are quote-unquote good and evil. Some of his actions are kind of deemed, is that really what a good person would do? He's kind of a gray character. And um I was really kinda concerned when they first brought him in whether or not they would do him justice. But they they did. They they very much did, and I was ecstatic to see him. Um so yay, right? I I know, I kinda I gushed a little bit, but I think I even quoted them going, Oh MG, it's Vivek, it's Vivek. Um <laughs> Because, you know, that that was something that meant a lot to me that they they did him the correct way, not not cheaped out and hit on the character model. Now we have yet to see Sothasil, but I don't know lore wise what he looks like at this particular point in time. He may not be the half robot that he was in In Marwin's timeline, but I kind of hope they stick to that because it it definitely granted him a different look than everyone else and obviously, as part of the tribunal, I think that's something that should should happen
3: but I think you know what you're hitting on is the is the the faithfulness that a lot of this has been created with you know this is this is a tribute to the original game in that sense mm-hmm. more than well, not more than anything else, but certainly equal to anything else. Um, you know, one of the... I had a question for them on stage that I was originally going to um, phrase as a, sort of along the lines of, you know, Morrowind came out, I think, about a year or so before um, Half-Life 2 came out, which, you know, while that is a game that is completely different in almost every way to the Elder Scrolls, the sort of... the fanaticism that goes along with the potential of a half-life three um you know it's, it's become a meme status you know these days that you know half-life three confirmed like the level of just adoration and desire and goodwill towards that series and excitement about this hypothetical third installment is so great that you cannot come out they couldn't come out with something anything less than absolutely perfect and exactly what the fans would want you know no deviation at all because they would crucify you for ruining their childhood memories basically and i was going to phrase it that way because morrowind is kind of like that like there's a lot of people now who are in sort of their early 30s um who played that game as a teenager formed very early but incredibly deep bonds with this game as a result of when it came out and because of the legacy of the game and its, and its lore and its releases since being so um, so closely tied to, to that story and, and that game, that you can't come out with anything less than absolute perfection from the fans' perspective because they'll crucify you. And I think what they did, at least what they've shown so far and what we learned from the interviews and, and the trailers and things we've seen now, is that it is a faithful, as faithful can be... Um, you know, not addition of Morrowind, but um, I mean, yeah, ad- addition to the the saga that is the Morrowind history um, mm-hmm. as could possibly be, which which I think is is incredibly difficult to do, and I think they must be relieved of the reception they've got so you know so far.
1: Absolutely, I mean,
3: uh, I mean
1: they they did a what was it a poll on the official Elder Scrolls um, forums a while ago, and I know. I know that the Elder Scrolls franchise did not get as big until Skyrim. That was kind of their big seller. But a lot of people are now going back and playing. And despite the fact that Skyrim might have been their best seller, Morrowind was a clear favorite of everyone. Like, it was a no contest. The number of votes that Morrowind got as the best are the epitome of what Elder Scrolls is. Is as but you know, Morrowind,
3: but I think the reason for that is because of the length of time between the two games. It's not actually because of how different the games are. I believe, you know, they're fifteen years apart. So you you've got almost, you know, almost an adult, um, certainly, um, you know, a late teenager apart um, to mean that for some people they they were they were barely able to walk on their own two feet when Morrowind came out. So there was, it was impossible for them to have forged a connection with, with that game or, or, for, or for it to be considered the mainstream to those people. It was only until Skyrim came out that those people would have been old enough to consider that the mainstream. And I think you see games, and, and you see this a lot in music actually as as well. And you know, bands have like twenty, thirty year careers. Is the the sort of one or two points in their history where people will say, "Oh, that's when that's when they hit the mainstream." And what they actually sometimes mean is that's when it hit the mainstream in the new form that the mainstream was many years after somebody would have previously said that's when they hit the mainstream. So they've had kind of like two mainstreams. You know, Morrowind was. You know, there was there wasn't another game that looked anything like Morrowind, that played anything like Morrowind, that was as vast as Morrowind. You know, particularly as well as being on the the Xbox as well. Like for so many reasons, that was not like you know Arena or or anything that came before it. It was it was the mainstream. Um, and then Oblivion, you know, was 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 great, but was largely praised, I think, because it was you know it was HD and it was kind of one of those. It was one of the earliest releases on the Xbox 360. So it was one of the first games that anybody could play in HD. So people tend to think about that game more from the, the memory of the graphics and, and, you know, the world they could explore. Whereas with Skyrim, it was, it was the chance for it to hit the mainstream for a whole new generation that weren't even able to play Morrowind the first time. So um, right. I, I fully expect that, you know, in 10 years' time, people will think about Skyrim... Uh, as much as, or if not more than, how people now think about Morrowind, because it's it's their catalyst for getting into the obsession. If the game is still around in fifteen years' time. Well, yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, and it, it does make a lot of sense. But I mean, there's even there's still a well. I guess you can really look at it like this: there's still an incredibly active um, modding co- uh, community around Morrowind, not so much Oblivion. Like to mm. show you. The staying power, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate because I say this every time because I I couldn't stand Oblivion. I thought it was the worst in the series. Um, That with Morrowind, people still 15 years later are still modding Morrowind. And in fairly large numbers. Whereas that's not quite the case with with other games now, Skyrim obviously is a, is a larger modding community because it's also a lot newer. So, you know, yeah, it, but it's, it's, it's relative to
3: what was it was. It's relative to what was available and, and practiced at the time. You know, it was. Now it's just it's in more people's consciousness to to do that and to want to do that, um, and and to embrace and for a developer to embrace it. You no, know, that just it wasn't as commonly done right um back back then um certainly not to the extent that it was possible to mod morrowind um you know it was uh that it was it was pretty pretty dramatic absolutely um
1: all right so that was that was the first thing i kind of hit and i got to pull my notes back up now cuz i kind of lost them
3: um tsh- second point you had was uh was it about the the worldwide release Yeah,
1: yeah. Like I mean, I guess with an expansion, I guess that maybe is not such a huge thing, but it's something that I didn't know. And based on the way that they do DLC, obviously with the uh with how consoles work and needing to vet everything that goes through, it takes consoles longer to get updates. They'll push the PC out early. Yeah.
3: But they're doing <laughs> right. it yeah. For everyone. I, I thought about this too, and, and, and actually to be honest, I, I was I was a little less excited by that because really what that actually means is delaying PC by two weeks in order to um to have it released simultaneously. I mean that might not be the reason, but that's one way of, of doing something like this, I think.
1: It it would make sense, but I also think it was a little bit more PR speak because it ties with the release of Marwind on uh pc like the original you know what i mean
3: Uh, yeah definitely definitely you know
1: like i almost believe i have to look at it but i'm almost positive that it's like 15 years to the day when it comes out
3: it is it is and well Well, with that
1: kind of thing you kind of don't want to miss that mark that's just that's an amazing thing going hey 15 years to the day, exactly, Morrowind came out. Well, now, guess what? You're going to be able to go back to Morrowind in ESL. Yeah.
3: yeah, exactly. And and to be honest, it's one of the reasons why I didn't go into too much detail with that because, you know, the the journalist in me wants to say lots of games are released on platforms all the same time around the world. You know, Final Fantasy XV took 10 years to develop. They released that on, you know, on the same day worldwide, even though it had, you know, huge you know language um localization requirements for a game with that much talking and and things in it's not like just localizing a shooter or something but but yeah i mean it's still thats not to underplay the, the the technical challenges with 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 doing such a thing as that um right and within the confines that that you you have um with you know the game being as big as it is you know patch sizes and server uptime and even technical stuff like that like Things have to be in place in order to support something as as widely wanted as as that. So it's it's impressive.
1: Nice, yeah. And I knew it wasn't something that that was a whole lot went into it. It's just something that was like it threw me off. Only because we're so used to the two week cadence difference that you know it's something like hey, that's that's kind of neat, right? Because they're gonna get it at the exact same time, which i mean that's that's really cool for for that so that we can all we can all hype together at the exact same time not just not just a pc got it we're hyped for morrowind and then then the consoles are are waiting a few weeks you know like they did with housing um but you know i think that'll probably be the standard going forward whenever they do chapters just because it's chapters are something that are different like i know i'm gonna try to take off work (laughs) uh for a while that way i can experience it like day one with our guild and going out together and being like okay this is what we're doing
3: together i i really want to hit that point i i plan on on doing the same with with my brother as well um just wanting to spend that quality time exploring um it's gonna be it's gonna be a great a great day because it's just so much to do i th- i don't know if they said this on stage or if this was at another point but they said it's scale wise content wise it, it's it's like 40 percent bigger than rothgar right you know it's 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 pretty it's pretty big like i mean it is big it's the biggest but in terms of comparing it to something it's it's something it's something like that and um And I think it was in one of the interviews where, um, I think Brian said this, that, um, you know, for the DLC, they don't have everybody working on it. You know, there's always, you know, a large group of people working on on that DLC, but somebody's always working on something else. Whereas with this, the entire studio is working on it, Mm -hmm. you know, which again is is a, a sizable difference in approach.
1: Well, I mean, not only just the landmass, which obviously takes a long time to do. The landmass and and development of that takes a very long time. But you have whole new systems, battlegrounds, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, um, that really do add to that level of complexity um, that a normal DLC may not have, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely, exactly. And Arc- I think that's one of the things we'll see every time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ark, uh, I haven't heard from you, bud. Um, can you hear me?
2: That Let's get that out of. I can out. hear you, yes. Okay. Because I lost every sound in the computer for. I don't know why. I had to restart. And I was trying to catch up where you guys are. Okay. Uh, I lost the momentum.
1: But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got you, no. no. About to release,
2: uh, there's one thing I'm. Curious about will I have to get this twice, like the DLCs or Crown Store items that I have to get twice for North America and Europe? Europe, uh, I don't expect to. I don't expect it to be like that. No. but I'm
1: I'm, I'm I almost know. positive with Marwyn being the expansion, and I, I think they said it. I'm just trying to remember. Uh, so don't take this as 100 percent gospel, but I would. I'd be safe enough to bet a lot of money on this. That because this is an expansion, it's tied to the account level. So, like, when you log into your account, it'll be like you are verified for Morrowind. So, it'll be on any mega server you go to. Not like the DLCs, which are specific. Which is a I whole other so. argument. I hope so. But,
2: I mean, if it's not like that, I'd be very, very upset about it. But, I yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they'd go that way with it. But still. No.
3: I'm fair. That's I'm concern. Also- I'm also i'm 99.9 positive because it's applied to your user id it's mm-hmm. not applied to the mega server it's applied to the user id so i'm i'm pretty sure that's that's correct
1: yeah it i feel comfortable enough that i'd be willing to bet money on it because i'm almost positive i read it or heard it somewhere but i can't recall at this point so i don't want to say absolutely and then zoss come back to me and like ag ah, you, you said it wrong but <laughs> i'd be willing to bet so, let's put it that way. So, yeah, there is that. Um, I mean, with the console and everything released, do you have anything you want to hit on the fact that they're doing everything worldwide the exact same day we all get to in hype together? And that's a good thing, because, I mean, uh, if
2: just in our community, you know, Sean is on consoles, and there was this one episode when they released, I don't know, One Time Real, I guess? and with Ryan Ryan and I were talking about it you know we are doing this we are doing that and Sham was sitting there i haven't got it i haven't got it. and we were like okay i'm sorry and that kind of became the episode title i guess i can't remember yeah but yeah go- not being able to hype together or you know us pc players talking about it all the time and consoles are still waiting can't uh, join the discussions or anything for 2 weeks that's kind of um, not upsetting but at least on our
1: end it's, def- it's definitely upsetting for the consoles but and, and we have console players in our discord too so i mean yeah. they like to come in and 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 interact even though we don't play together they like to interact and yeah it is a little bit of a while we're doing housing stuff they were up until like this week they were kind of like yep okay that's awesome but, but I mean, since Morrowind
2: is their biggest release so far, I guess it makes sense to release them at the same time. Oh yeah, putting the you know original Morrowind release date aside, that that makes sense marketing wise, I guess.
1: Th- that is that is a PR gold right mm-hmm. there. You know what I mean? Like Nate, you'll probably agree with me on that. That is that is marketing gold. The fact that it's to the day release. Yeah, you completely. Know? Completely. That that, that hits that, on all the nostalgia. So, yeah, that you know, like I said, I wrote that down because it was something that they they didn't say until that interview, right? like we didn't really know, and I think a lot of us just sort of expected that it was going to be like the normal DLC with release cadences being what they are. Um, so it was really nice to hear that, no, that is not the case. We are gonna have our own um, our universal release date um. The, the, In this one I wrote down, it was nothing that was really, you know, a lot of discussion, but I think it's funny. And I, they even admitted it was funny. The joke about when you join Battlegrounds, like um, there's – you get assigned a team and you had mentioned about seeing Daggerfall and Ebonheart and everything like that. But that was all placeholder because they hadn't got the new icons in yet. But the colors are going to be – Teams purple, orange, and green, which is the running joke about when two sides go together in Cyrodiil to fight off the other. Yeah, I, I thought yeah, that I, was funny.
3: That is funny, and I'll tell you something else that's funny that wasn't in the interview, but I did ask: is in PvP, there's this constant assumption that the other two factions are working together against you. You know, from the from the Pact perspective, it's always Team Green or uh, Green Alliance or something like that, with Blues and Yellows working together. And I was like tell me now you're the head of pvp is this true and he was like no absolutely (laughs) not the numbers prove it it doesn't matter how many times we tell people that the numbers say you guys work with each other as much as the other guys there is no two alliances that team up at all so i'm telling you right now that's the truth
1: (laughs) nice nice Uh, i I mean it, it it's the same mentality when we were in pvp earlier um we were running we were running around in imperial city and we found players and we'd kill them and it was only a small group of us like four or five and they're like way to go and way to zerg you know and not 10 minutes later a group of 20 ad ran through it's like mhm yeah that's a pot calling yeah. the kettle black
3: and that's and that's the thing it's not it's not that it doesn't happen it's just that we do it as much as they do there's yeah. no uh, you know there's no one group or one guild or anything that's doing it more than the other the numbers are flat across the board
1: right I- i'd believe well, it
2: the fact that they are using this joke is again shows that how much they are actually involved in the game itself you know yeah. in and a running running they they can know and use a running sort of joke in development so that's
1: that's Absolutely. one thing there yeah. It's, it's really funny that they do it, too. And that's why I wrote it down. It wasn't... It's nothing that's amazing. Like, oh, my goodness, that's, that's completely, you know, amazing news. I just thought it was funny. Because, you know, we all use the joke, so it's funny that they use it against us, right? Yeah. Um...
3: Your next question is my favorite on this list, by
1: the way. Yeah, um, and I know we had talked about it. You and I had talked about it. We talked about – I don't – do we do it on a show? Did we do it in dis- – or did we do it via email? I can't remember. Um, but we talked about the currency for Battlegrounds. What yeah. are they going to do? Because I know we talked about uh, – I had to – yeah, you were on the show. You had to be on the show
3: because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you were long.
1: saying Telvar Varstones. I'm like, no, 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 Telvar Varstones are this.
3: <laughs> yeah that was me because i'd 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 either forgotten or didn't realize that um the telvar the telvar currency was actually linked by uh, law it wasn't it wasn't an arbitrary choice you know it represented something um which is why it made me think well maybe they can you know they can do this like there's going to be some crazy ancient Dunmeri currency that we haven't heard about that they can that they can write into the game for the purposes of having another thing to collect. But no, it's Battlegrounds, you'll earn AP, even though there are no alliances, which is a bit strange. I know they said we
1: we had to have the internal lore discussion of is alliance points viable since there's really no no alliances here, but I guess it also makes sense with that, because they were like they wanted to keep PvP, PvP the currencies yeah. all together and there was a do break.
3: You wanna, do you want to hear my conspiracy theory, which is backed up only by me putting two and two together? Yeah, go for it. Right. This is not what they told me. This is just what I'm interpreting. I reckon they will change the name of Alliance Points. I don't think they'll call them Alliance Points after the the this chapter comes out. And the reason for that is you know, they talked about the potential for having a new currency. You know, they did consider creating a new currency for Battlegrounds and decided against it, decided to use AP, even though it's sort of law-breaking in the sense that there's no alliance-related conflicts as part of Battlegrounds. So, doesn't make sense to have you earning AP. Um, it does make sense to have it just called something else that can be very easily applied across both game styles right. so i it wouldn't surprise me if that comes out and i'm i you know telling you that's not something i asked them it's not something they told me you know on background or anything that's just my guess but i think that would be a, a pretty elegant way of um of 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 fixing that question mark over why earn alliance points when alliance on alliance isn't an issue
1: right and I know my major concern with Alliance points, and I know they said that it's handled differently, was the way that Emperor is determined. Um, so they must have some back way of determining which Alliance points were earned in Battlegrounds versus not. I mean, it's stupid not to think that they would know the difference. I just thought it would have been a a lot more work to yeah. you know have that flag one way or other rather than just going, yeah, we have a separate currency, but... Apparently that that's
3: was, not the case. No, I mean that that was one of the big questions that I had was basically you know can you accidentally become an emperor mm-hmm. because you know if you're if you're if you if you set a home alliance in, in PvP then there's there's there are leaderboards and the way you become emperor is for anyone who doesn't know is um, the campaigns go for thirty days and if you earn the most AP at any given time and you're in the top of the leaderboard. If you capture all the keeps around the Imperial City, then whoever has the highest number of AP at the moment that final keep is captured is crowned Emperor. They don't have to even be online, they don't even have to have captured any of those keeps, they don't have to be in a group that captured the keeps, it's just whoever has the highest number of AP is Emperor, whether they know it or not. They could have it happen to them while they were asleep and have it taken away before they woke up. That can happen.
1: Oh, I didn't so, know that. I actually thought they had to be online at the time of the t- keep taking to be counted as emperor. As far as I'm aware, they don't. Well, you might be I'm right. Aware. You have more experience than I do. I like, just that was my own misguided if that's the case, but
3: yeah, I'm I'm happy to be corrected on that, but I'm 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 pretty damn sure that 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 can happen because it's about it's not who is the highest who is currently online. It is who is the highest. And the highest may not always be online. Although if they're doing an emperor push then chances are they're sleeping nothing at all because i tried it for a month and i barely did anything else um that month so i never tried it again but um so the question that it related to was really you know if you're playing battlegrounds and you're earning ap and you're playing 16 hours a day in battlegrounds you know technically you could potentially earn enough ap to be at the top and be crown emperor but he said even though you're earning ap it's not counting towards that leaderboard so it's going in your pocket but it's not being recorded publicly in that sense so there's no way of being an accidental emperor as the result of battlegrounds which um which i think is great but what they didn't answer and couldn't answer was how much ap you're actually going to get like that's not something they figured out so you know a, a nice amount of ap to earn in a day you know for the average person might be somewhere between you know, fifty thousand and a hundred thousand AP, you know, in an evening at peak time, if you're playing pretty, you know, dedicatedly, that's not a word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you can pull two hundred thousand. Today I've earned over three hundred thousand. So it'll be interesting to see if they can have it high enough that the people who are used to earning a lot of AP in PvP will be pleased and not have it be the kind of thing where someone can play it once and suddenly have so much AP for the first time in their lives they have no idea what to do with it it'll be really interesting to see where they where they let that needle rest
1: i know with battlegrounds i might actually get all my akaviri stuff because you know
3: <laughs> yeah won't. that is that's going to be a great way to earn akaviri stuff definitely
1: yeah and i know i'm probably going to end up doing it so <laughs> um and
2: there's another thing about not using a new currency is that with it, there will be a lot of new players i imagine and I wouldn't, if I was a developer. I wouldn't want those new players to be welcomed by three new, just just for PvP, three different currencies. Like you, you got Telwar, you got Alliance points, you got uh, whatever the battleground point would be, and then you have the in-game bound thing, and it, it it gets too complex. So that um, I'm actually glad that they decided to use Alliance point. Yes, it's a little bit of lore breaking, maybe, but I find it trivial. Is is that the word? Yeah, that's not a word, important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't find it to be that important. So I guess a good thing they are using alliance points because I wouldn't want to have a different battleground point because I don't PvP at all, and I'll probably start doing PvP more with battleground since it's quick. I don't have to invest as much time as as traditional PvP. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. yeah, I mean
3: you'll earn that ap and and i think what we'll see a lot happening is people earn the ap and they'll hop into cyril to spend it on things like akaviri sets and you know the various merchants that are there you can buy stuff from and then go and you know head to craglorn and sell it in some of the big guild stores and, and and basically turn the ap they earn in battlegrounds into gold and i think um i think that'll happen quite a lot
2: yeah absolutely that would probably
3: be
1: me selling everything i get <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I, I'll probably do something similar, but I have a lot of stuff I will collect first because I'm a collection guy first. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I like to do. But um, yeah, so that's neat. Um, something that both uh, Nate and I probably will like is that Nauru will actually recognize you if you've already done the main story, and. Yes. This is this is speaking to that attention to detail because if you don't know, which obviously I'm not going to spoil a whole lot here, um because I'm not going to go into the storyline, but you actually meet Naryu for the very first time in Deshawn. That's where you first meet her and she kind of carries through all the way through Deshawn and I think she shows up one or two more times throughout the Ebenhart pack storyline and she she is a a, a fan favorite. Naryu um Darian Gutierrez from DC and then... Not if
3: you're me, he's an ass. I can't stand that guy. I hate him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there you go. But I know he's popular for DC and then Dar <laughs> are characters yeah. that you follow along that are kind of like, yep, these are, these are the cool people. These are the ones I like. Um, but Naryu is obviously a very big fan favorite. But for people starting Morrowind, you can choose whether or not to do the Gold Harbor, the Plain Meld, are to start completely off the walls and go somewhere else, like do Marwin instead. Um, But because Mario is very heavily part of the tutorial there, I know I had a lot of questions about how that was going to work out, and apparently it's not going to matter. Like, if you've done one part of it, she will recognize you and like if you if you make a new character like i'll make a warden and i'll probably play it in morrowind because why wouldn't i when i get back to Deshaun and notice her she'll remember me as a person and go hey i remember when we were on varden f- fell together you know
3: yeah and that is the best because the last thing you want is to meet naryu and f- and for her to not remember you are you you don't remember me god i remember you <laughs> <laughs> Every this night this when is... I go to bed, I hug a pillow shaped like you.
1: I mean, what? No. You do that. Maybe. I don't
2: feel... This is something they didn't even do in, like, uh, the single-player games. This, is, this was a detail that was missed or, I don't know, del- deliberately left out in Oblivion and Skyrim. And it was annoying. Because right. a guard would, in Oblivion, while you are wearing the Archmage's robes, a guard would come to you oh, and say, you know, you look potent in magic you should join the college of finder i am the college of indor what <laughs> are you, you talking not about know <laughs> <me>? <laughs> yeah yeah so that, that was something that annoyed, annoyed me a lot and the fact that they are uh taking care of this i guess in other schools online just for this character at least is is
1: just great well it. here's the thing the- They've taken a large step in this game that they never did in the others because guards and other people will recognize you when you're a hero. Did you ever notice that? Like if oh, you're yeah. in the Rift, they'll be like, "You're the one who did this." Or, you know, mm-hmm. like they recognize you as the hero that you are if you've done quest.
2: Yeah, instead of instead of calling us a citizen while we are re- we are wearing the emperor's armor.
1: Exactly. Yeah, they they actually treat you... I mean, this this goes all the way back, and I know it's kind of a tangent, but it's not, because it, it fits in here. Did you know that um, when you go into White Gold Tower, the Empress Regent down there, if you had been Emperor, she has different dialogue for you? Oh yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, I've never she, been Emperor, so I never knew, but... <laughs> well, she, she doesn't... Um, She's not nice to you, um, but she does treat you differently. You're like, you know, she's like, I'm Empress Regent, and you're more or less like, yo, lady, I'm the Emperor. And she's like, (laughs) oh, you mean one of those pretenders who pass around the, uh, the crown like a venereal disease? It's like, oh, oh, oh. But yeah, that's pretty much what she says. You know, like, you're not a real Emperor. You guys just pass it back and forth like an STD, so... Um, yeah, but she does have a different dialogue for you if you had been an emperor. So they've actually done this several times already, which is really, really cool to see. And it's just heartening with Naryu specifically because Naryu is a very well-beloved character. It, you know, I, having already met her because I've been playing for a very long time, would feel kind of odd if she didn't acknowledge the fact that, you know, we had met before and that yeah. I had been pining over her for three years now. I mean, this this I'm not, I'm one thing that came,
2: <laughs> one thing comes to my mind that um, they are using Naryu in the Morrowind expansion as a kind of a main character, mm-hmm. a main NPC storyline character. Uh, will they do the same with Darien or Razumdar with the next two chapters, one being in somewhere in Daggerfall and the other one being somewhere in Mary's side? Um, and having those characters as main NPCs? Or is it just something Naryu-specific because of her ties to Morag Tong and it just happened to align with I, that?
1: I think it fit with Morag Tong, but I wouldn't doubt Gar- uh, Darien. Uh, Razumdar, probably not, because depending on the actions of the player, spoiler alert, bad things could happen to him. Mm, I see.
2: I haven't played the Mary's side, so I know.
1: Yeah, so didn't he
3: show up in the in the thieves guild quest didn't he
1: i i i, I don't want to all right spoil alert for anyone who hasn't finished reaper's march if you haven't you're going to want to skip ahead about three minutes because i want to say this ark you may want to hold your ears if you care. Uh, if you care ju- just let me know in chat when you okay. stop. okay Yep, we'll do <laughs> um in in that in the almost the very beginning you run into razum dar uh, in an alien temple, and it 's about a wand that can control Altmer and he wants you to collapse the tunnels and kill him with it because it's trap you can either you can either grab it and run out or you can save him and lose the crown or pull the crown out like if you destroy the crown, the entire temple collapses and will kill razmdar because he's locked in a cage um but if you don't, he lives. But he actually dies if you collapse the thing. So I don't think they would ever bring Razumdar back. Because depending on who you are as a character, he may be alive or not. So I guess I need yeah. to let him know that he can come back. <laughs> oh, there we go. You can come back now. So yeah, that like... If he was in the Thieves Guild, I think that might have only been for your character. Because if you had chose the other option, I don't think he'll be there. I'm back. <laughs> now again, they could yeah, they could retcon that decision and be like, yeah, it never really happened. But you know, yes. So that was it. End of end of spoiler. Um, but I love the Reapers March storyline. It was it was really good. Uh, probably my favorite of the Aldmari Dominion. So. I'll complete AD
2: storyline at one point.
1: It was My very end. hard for me to get through. Not because of the zones. I know everyone was like, I hate green shade. I hate this. I actually didn't mind them. I think it was more the fact that it was AD. So mm-hmm. subconsciously, yeah. I'm just like, I don't really care. I want to burn all of you guys down anyway. So I don't know. That's I'll,
2: I'll hopefully complete it before the game hits five, five year mark. Hey, that's I my, only that's just finished.
1: It took me three years in order to finish gold <laughs> content. So I mean, hey guys, that that's how I play game. This game. Like I I just do the story, right? So and I gotta say I've enjoyed every second of it. Every second.
2: Um, okay. Even when you helped the
1: Queen Iron in the storyline? Uh, okay, maybe not that so? second. <laughs> Warden is being more of a, uh, aimed towards more of a support style, more group oriented than any of the other classes, at least according to them. Um, that's a little different, right? Yeah. Like, a lot of their abilities are, I mean, arguably speaking, a lot of how this game is, is very solo friendly. I mean, they built it that way. The game, you can do a lot of things very solo. So a lot of classes have that solo aspect, but Warden is being designed more of a group play, which is is different. I mean, we we went uh,
2: through the leaked or whatever the uh, skill lines the last episode, and yeah, it feels like support, but it doesn't, I don't know, I don't think it's more group-oriented than any other uh, class in the game, maybe except for the Knight Blade, which is, I guess, more solo, but, you know, the Templar has the same... Uh, damage, tanky, and heal aspect. Dragon Knight has the same damage, heal, tanky aspect. Uh, so I, I don't see why this is more group oriented, but I can tell before I test it, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it doesn't really matter. You like group content anyway, so, and I don't think oh, there's yeah. anything in the game that you'll be at a disadvantage for, except for mm. maybe Maelstrom Arena. Um, if you're, if your if your abilities are so group oriented that they don't help you as much as single player but i don't think that's going to be the case i just think it's more designed for that um, there's um
3: the i i don't think and correct me if i'm wrong you didn't in the in the videos that they made public i don't think they showed the ultimate for the 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 warden the, the healing ultimate did they
1: no no
3: because in one of the videos that we weren't allowed to film at the event they did show what the ultimate looks like for one of the 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 healing based ultimate for the warden and it is one of the most badass looking ultimates like it's basically you know the destro staff ulti at the moment is the most badass looking mm-hmm. ulti because it's just raining thunder down on this very wide area and follows you around I think the Warden one is as cool as that, but for healing. It's like these giant, <laughs> like, 12, 15-foot green glowing trees that burst out of the ground all around you, and the whole thing lights up um, like, like a bright green sort of thing. It is magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. Well, um, how is the, you know, uh,
2: if you have seen more of the Warden gameplay, how was the animations in general... For the warden class compared to the current classes, was there were they more impro- improved or, or at the same level as the current classes? Can well, you t-
3: we we didn't see we didn't see we didn't see loads. You know, I probably saw hmm. about five or six minutes of kind of warden gameplay, and obviously it's all. You know, it's not final or finished. Um, in terms of the physical animations, I didn't notice anything massively different. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of things like the color palettes that are used and the style of magic that you see and sort of how it it bursts from you and and how it impacts enemies, um, it does look stylistically different. You know, you can, in the same way, you can tell the difference between a dragon knight and a sorcerer be- based on kind of color palette alone. Um, mm-hmm. You can you can sort of you can you'll be able to tell I think the warden from a distance for the same reason as well. It's visually it's, it it looks very distinct and very different from the others. Um and yeah, certainly the the uh, the big the badass healing ulti looks like uh it's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. And then the person yeah. who plays a healer is gonna absolutely love it.
1: Yeah. Very especially if you're very nature oriented. Um but of like the official trailers arc I you know one of the things we talked about was the uh, the cliff racer like is this gonna look weird yeah uh, they showed that in the official trailer mm-hmm, and yep, awesome. it actually looked a lot better than I thought it was going to. because <laughs> yeah. that I was know, something we were concerned about it, it's not a
2: dot as we thought it would no you know speculate no. that it would it's just straight
1: go cliff racer. go go cliff racer i guess my concern is if that's the they kind of talked about that as being the spammable are we gonna that might make it a little weird but it all depends i guess i mean i don't know biting jabs i think looks a little weird um but it doesn't look as weird as a cliff racer the flame whip venomous claws those spammables they kind of feel right Um, i mean the the Thing is, you know, there is a small casting
2: time kind of thing uh, or channeling time for biting jabs because you can't cast it again before the animation ends. If yeah, it's the you same animation for the cancel, <laughs> well, I mean that that makes everything look weird. So um, if shit. it's the same case for cliff racer, you know, you can't cast it again before the cliff racer disappears. It would it might not look as weird as we think but again i guess we'll we can't really say anything
1: about it before we actually see it in in actual action so yeah i know makes sense i don't i don't i don't think you're going to have anything to really worry about i don't think we mm-hmm. the animations are going to look so much better like we were talking about that it'll be mm-hmm. you know like when they did the whole animation revamp i don't think that's going to be the case but it definitely it definitely looks fitting for a warden from what yeah. you know was officially released, and we saw. So I won't be using the animal skill
2: line anyway. I'm I'm all for the frozen, the frozen, frozen whatever. The, yeah, winter embrace. Are are, are you gonna
1: start singing from the frozen movie? Yeah, I think you should. Every time you're doing,
2: I ice I, stuff. I like the. I like a um, cover version of it, which I can't sing. Oh, due to, yeah. to, to the family-friendly yeah, aspect. Yeah, I, of I this know what thing, cover you're talking yeah.
3: about. <laughs> Heavy metal cover version?
1: No, it's
2: it's uh, a lot better version. I'll I'll link you after the
1: show. Yeah, that might be something we can link out of chat, not not, yeah. not in chat. Yeah, I've got a great cover version of the song from Frozen. <laughs> it's popular, but I've, I'm 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 okay with this. Um. So yeah, we got that. Um, this is probably the thing that got the most like are you kidding me like a lot of people in in, in uh, messages and stuff because they had mentioned obviously some of those videos that were not being able to be released right like they mentioned them during your interview because they were talking to you Um, they're talking about native support for buff tracking yeah that, and That's that was one of the news topics that no one else seemed to have had that I noticed at least, and everyone was like, <gasps> um, the native buff tracking. Because, I yeah, mean, I, anyone who, anyone who do, raids or does anything like that has Shrendar, stuff like that, and it's very popular. But now they're looking at adding it into the game as a base. And, I mean, I really like their damage numbers. I think they're really good. I actually use them over add-ons now because I actually like the way it works. The yeah, game feels and they better. Have
3: slight, they have a slightly lesser impact on on resources overall as well. Yeah, because you're
1: not using uh, I, your Lua memory all the time. You're using exactly. what, what's already been in the game, so it just runs better. <laughs>
3: but I think, I think the people that are really going to benefit from that, though, are console players. Oh like, yeah. You know, if you're on PC and you care about that, you've modded it. You know, you're using something for that
1: that's um, not saying but, i won't switch to it like because like you said it, it'll probably run better than than the modded version but um it it is something that yeah consoles who don't have the option i'm not losing anything i'm more or less getting a side grade whereas console players didn't have this and now will
3: have that option so i can't remember that they did they definitely did show it to us in in one of the videos um but i i think if memory serves it looks i think they were showing it on kind of like a console ui um but i can't bring to mind now actually what what that looks like but um i definitely remember it it being there and yeah yeah, and it was asked about wasn't it in the interview i think yeah that's
1: that's where we got it you ask about it in the interview um about stuff that they're adding and they had mentioned um the fact that it was in one of the videos they showed press That, you know, they're working on console UI. Because you were asking about other quality of life. And that was one of the things that they had mentioned that they're adding. Which was buff tracking. Native buff tracking. Which is awesome. Because that was that was a big complaint. Why we had to have add-ons in the first place. Was, listen, we need our buffs. It's so much about maintaining these buffs. You know, like, you're, you'll notice your damage goes up and down. Specifically, if you don't, um, have, uh your buff track like if you would let um any of your major buffs fall off your damage goes down exponentially your survivability goes down there's a reason why you want these buffs right so yeah it's nice that it'll be available in game those who at least on pc who already have an add-on if they like the way the add-on works great but i know especially if your pc is not r- the best it'll probably just run better by removing as much add-on resources because i mean anytime we're running like mall of lorkhaj or anything like that people are like you got to turn off a lot of your add-ons anyway to make sure that it runs the best that you know that it can so you're like turning off your master merchants your all this stuff so there's already that aspect of you got to turn off everything that's not 100% necessary so that way the game will run best and you can get your best numbers. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I'm I'm super excited for that. I love when game developers take popular add-ons. World of Warcraft was one of the first games that I know that did this was they took popular add-ons and added it innately into the game. They're like, hey... We, we we see the n- numbers, the metrics, we know what people are using, and we see that 90% of our player base uses this particular add-on. Well, if that many people are already using it, let's just add it natively into the game. I mean, they did that with uh, subtitles, because there was a subtitle add-on that would actually add subtitles to the game, and yeah, then I mean, they yeah, added it natively.
3: They did, they did yeah, the passive... Uh... Passive one there's actually a really good add-on that i've used in the past I, I i don't use it anymore now finish most of the story quests but it would paste the text along with the words that were being spoken so you yep. didn't feel temptation to just read the text and skip the spoken dialogue it would like it would track it yes very roughly um and there's another one that turns off the text entirely so you only get the option once they finish speaking
1: and i've used that as well because i've found myself especially during that, the leveling process and stuff like that. Like I want to listen to the story. That's what elder scrolls is so good for, but getting to the habit of, okay, I don't want to listen to this guy finishes, or I do want to listen, but I've already read ahead because my mind naturally goes there. I've read ahead. So it's like, uh, uh, do I, I already know what he's going to say. Let's move on. You know? Um, so having those add-ons were nice cause it forced you or prevented you, I should not say. Not forced you. Prevented you from being able to skip ahead in the reading. Yeah. So you got to I wonder experience if
3: it, it.
2: I wonder if it ever be possible to... Don't go into that dialogue camera. The Oblivion-style, face-to-face dialogue camera. But instead, stay away in third person. Or be able to look around like in Skyrim. In a limited way, maybe. But just not force that... Dialogue yeah. camera at some point in the game's future.
3: I always like the um the the Dragon Age form of conversations where it would it would cut away to the player character on occasion, um so you can see a bit more of your own character's face. You know, I always sort of feel it's a little bit annoying in Elder Scrolls that you can often spend a lot of time, you know, creating your character and customising your armor, but you generally only ever see it from the back and usually <laughs> from a distance. So, you know, those kind of conversational options to have it sort of cut back and forth between an npc and yourself would be yeah i would i would I'd love that
1: yeah well dragon age took more of a cinematic rather than a yeah. viewing yeah. elder scrolls does a point of view pov rather than cinematic
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and i know i i would like cinematic or at least to have it as an option be like hey you can choose one or the other or both right you know
2: I mean, I not maybe not in cinematic, but just you know, in Skyrim, when you go into dialogue, you can still move your head around, and the NPC still continues to do whatever they are doing. Right. Well, I maybe mean, that kind of a thing that just gives a little bit more freedom while the dialogue is happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is dialogue. Specifically, the thing I'm thinking of most is Rothgar, when you're like. They do it once in a while where they're like, observe the confrontation or observe the conversation uh, where it happens where you're not in first person. You can move around. But I'm specifically thinking of Rothgar, you know, King comes in with his big sword and runs the guy through, which was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but that only happens when the game says, hey, observe this, you know, it, it does happen, but not not all the time. So. Yeah, it is I what just it spent is. spent
3: 50,000 gold on an alien throne for my house and I've never been so happy.
1: <laughs> 50,000 gold for an alien throne? Oh. I actually kind of want one of those cuz of the house that I plan on getting. Um Yeah, I I, I definitely want one of those cuz I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I need a throne cuz the house I want to get is Daggerfall overlook which is a giant castle. I need a throne in my room.
2: So if I got a 50,000 throne, that would be almost more expensive than my house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my house is almost 4 million. So yeah. You do realize that anyone that comes on the show or in the chat doesn't have 4 million gold. No, you say an average player has.
1: You've seen, you've seen the meme. The uh, the uh, jealous's average average player goal is the image yeah. of Bilbo with my face on it standing in Smog's <laughs> pile. Yeah, that's what you miss if you're not part of our Discord, so dungeoncrawlernetwork.com slash Discord. Um, yeah, you miss all the fun of the drag in memes. Um, so, Dragon. Um, yeah, drag. Ag- Dragons ag- are coming with Morrowind. Yeah, they're, they're, they're giving me a hard Agilis. time. They're giving me a hard time with dragon. They taunt me all the time because my lore... It hurts my inner lore when they say dragons. I'm like, there's no active dragons in Tamriel right now. There's like four, okay? And yeah, they... Well, they, four,
2: four is, you know... That might even be high. That mean, I I don't know. That means there are dragons active. I don't care if it's four or one. There There are active dragons... That means we can see dragons.
1: No, we're not going to see dragons. We're not th- going <laughs> to see dragon mounts. It's not going to happen. I will flip. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um. So I think that was all I had for my articles. Yeah, so did anyone else have anything they wanted to talk about in regards to the interview? There are
2: two things that, um, other than what you wrote down and mentioned, uh, and they are both about... Uh, the Battlegrounds, one thing I love and one thing I didn't like the thing I love is that they keep mentioning that they are uh, inspired by the Quake or those uh, fast-paced FPS shooters, which kind of my favorite games uh, when I look back Unreal Tournament, Quake, Doom so I'm really excited that they are inspired by those awesome games that I like to play, the fast-paced themes of them so that's that's the thing I love. Thing I don't like is that we can't have a battleground match with twelve people that we know. So we can only know four people and you know get in a group and go into battlegrounds, but we can't do some like an in guild tournament kind of thing, maybe or yeah. something like that.
1: Yeah, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play. Well, actually, no, I agree with that to an extent. Um and I know why they did it. It's because you all enter a random queue, and then in that random queue, it decides you know how you're going to get in there. So you can't, you mm-hmm. know, possibly you could do it if you all like timed and hit the button at the exact same time and got lucky. I know there were ways to cheese it in Guild Wars too, yeah. um, to get into groups like making sure you all queued at the exact same time, and so you'll see that. <coughs> Excuse me, but I understand why. They were like, no. And it's because otherwise we'd see a lot of people farming AP and, and stuff that way. Because, you know, if yeah, you're in there with 12 people, you'd be like, okay, guys, these people need need the AP, need this, so we're going to allow you to win all the time. Mm-hmm. Just that level of exploitation is probably why they don't want everyone speaking or being able to queue at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Because if you did, then you know there, it would be open, very easy for exploitation of we're always going to let this group win no matter what. So just let them go in there and take everything because they could just sit there and wait. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. And
2: I don't, I don't have an opinion or any way of, in my mind, any way of getting over that, uh, avoiding that uh, exploit idea. So I can not say, you know, you could have done this, so it wouldn't be constructive criticism if I just said I didn't like it. But I just wish we would be able to do that, you know, in guild, 4v4v4. That would be a nice thing. Absolutely. I understand what you're saying. One thing, maybe, you know, if you join Battlegrounds as a 12-person group, you don't get the rewards. It's just for fun. It doesn't count. Like, it's an unranked battleground match kind of thing maybe that would be an option to do
1: right like letting you just do like what world of warcraft did with test battles or something like our test arena skirmishes you got no no points it was just to play around i Perhaps, can see yeah. that um but they obviously went with the pragmatic choice it was mm-hmm. it, it's just this is the easier way to avoid exploitate or exploitation so i understand why they went with it but yeah i agree that for those who just want to practice against guildies and stuff like that, you would have to have some way of not getting rewards or, or limiting it so that it wasn't a, we're always going to let team a win because they need to boost up their points for whatever reason. Yeah. So it is what it is. Um, Anything Mm else? No, that was what, was different from
2: the notes you wrote in yeah, my
1: notes, yeah. So um the one thing i noticed uh, i'll say this last thing before unless nate had eight do you have anything else you wanted to mention no okay everything my last thing was it was heartening that you asked the question that i wanted so badly about the two-handed weapons um and it's nice to know that they've had that conversation obviously brian wheeler isn't on the combat team that that's probably a robo question but it's comforting to know that the the conversation has been at least initiated how they're gonna do it um obviously the question i asked was you know one of the major problems with two-handed and this is two-handed in any regard mind you is you lose that second set bonus so dual wield in almost every case comes out now i know Some of that might be due to the dot. Some abilities for dual wield is better for at least stamina. But set for set, doing dual wield or two-handed, either being a bow, a two-handed weapon, or a two-handed staff, you're missing out on one set bonus that sword and shield are um, dual, dual wield gets. So, you know... The fact that they know that's an issue and they're trying to figure out a way of best doing it is, is heartening for me. So Maybe one day two-handed will be actually legitly viable. I don't know. We'll see. It's time for the news, ladies and gentlemen. There were a few news topics we had this week, and I'm going to let our news correspondent, here, just take that over. Hey. All right. Uh, I have this smart file I've got. Okay. so
2: uh first in the quick dimensions is the patch 2.7.7 7, which i'll just read the overview since it's a short fix thing the other scrolls online version 2.7.7 7 is a small incremental patch that includes a fix for long load screens when trying to travel to a zone with a high density of player characters we also have several quest-related fixes, have made several adjustments to how you obtain decorative wax using used in furnishing, furnishing crafting and more. The size of this patch is 128 megabytes. Right.
1: Um. Yeah, no, The I know there were a couple crashes and stuff that were in that as well that they tended to fix, uh, specifically with entering certain zones. But I know... Rockwa for instance is just terrible. Deshawn is really bad for loading screens. So I was
2: pretty much unable to go anywhere.
1: Craglorn but, uh, is bad now too. The, yeah. Yeah.
2: But I I haven't been able to test this patch yet since I didn't really log in, but uh, I'm I'm glad it's fixed okay. or hope it's fixed because I'm not sure yet.
1: I've noticed at least since the patch came out, I wouldn't say it's fixed, but it's better. The other day, though, I don't, I can't say it's exactly them or if it was my PC, so I'm not going to say one or the other. But there were several times while trying to port to Craghorn where my PC was just like, nope, and it would just sit there spinning forever and I'd have to alt F4 out of the game in order to go anywhere. Yeah, I had to do that, the same thing, in the last
2: couple of weeks very frequently I would go into my house and when I try try to port out nope it's it's not gonna happen
1: so Nate have you been experiencing any of those loading issues nope just crashes oh you just get pure I don't get many crashes it's a lot of loading screens that never go anywhere so it's like alright time for me to just go so yeah no
3: I just uh, I just get crashes
1: oh well I think I'd rather, well, no, I think I'd rather yours because at least then I don't have to alt for it, all that for it, but all right. So we had that small incremental. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, The other quick dimension is Serodilic performance test and double AP event. Mm -hmm. I have, I've highlighted some of these, uh, so I'll just read through it. As you saw in Matt's 2017 roadmap, we are making Serodilic performance evaluation and fixing a priority this year. When looking into serial issues, we definitely see both in-game and through monitoring situations where client and server performance degrade significantly when under high load, obviously. Simply put, Azura Star, the non-champion point campaign runs much better, more efficiently, efficiently, and is overall a much better PvP experience than the standard campaigns such as True flame and headers. Now that we have had a significant population density in Azura Star, we strongly suspect that that what has been terrorized for a long time, champion rank passives and abilities are causing too much server load. Because of this, we are going to run a series of PvP performance tests and because of it is impossible to simulate PvP load on our internal test servers or on PTS, we will do this on all live servers on the dates of February 27 to March 6. Our first test will be set up as follows. For a period of, period of one week, all champion points will be disabled on all campaigns and on all platforms and mega servers. During this time, AP gains in all campaigns will be doubled, both to compensate for lack of CP and also to incentivize, uh, something incentivize. Player, that to players to PvP so we can record as much data as possible. Campaign durations and leaderboards will not
1: be adjusted during this week. Nice. I know other than the, the leaderboard durations, no one's probably going to get any Emperor this week. Um, I like the fact that they're incentivizing this way. I, I know it's going to get me out there. Um, And I think I mentioned this before with testing. I'm like, when you want to test something, put it on live and incentivize players. Because I can tell you right now, I wouldn't want to waste my time on the test server when i can make progress on my main server, right? Like my main mm-hmm. character, the thing that actually sticks around. Um so yeah, having us being able to test on live is great because then it really does allow us to invest in our main characters while providing data and incentivizing through double ap is a way of going, hey, we need more people out there, getting people to go out who normally wouldn't because it's like, hey, I've been pining after that uh, that set of Akaviri motifs and I just can't get around to farming like the 4 million AP I need in order to buy it all. Well, maybe I'll do it now that it's being doubled because it's not as much work for me. Yeah. I mean, even I'm going to go into PvP to
2: get my uh, European rank to 6 or whatever to get that uh, Warhorn
1: is. Yeah. Absolutely. It'll get us out there. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's a that's really cool so if you're listening to this podcast on at least the day it's released it should be out by tomorrow night at the least so monday morning if you're on your way to work that's when the event starts so it's two days from the date of this recording um but if you're listening to us live it's probably today or tomorrow so there you go um nate any any comments
3: uh, not really. I mean, I, th- I, think I think you've covered it pretty well. Um, the, the incentives to take part, I think, are, are well-placed. Um, we mentioned at the very beginning of the show that one of the problems right now is people kind of um, flipping ownership of keeps to, to kind of take advantage of the fact that you now get a ton of XP, uh, of AP for doing that. To double that, it kind of means that for that week it's probably going to be a little bit unplayable if you actually want to focus on capturing keeps because people are going to be like, wow, we can get like 15,000 AP every time we flip these keeps over. That's just going to be crazy. Um, right. I think they, they've got to address those figures at some point anyway because it's bad enough without it being doubled. But you know.
1: <coughs> a simple to... um, A simple debuff, I guess. Well, again... Uh, not a debuff, but like 30-minute cooldown. Like if you've taken Chalmin Keep, you can't gain AP off of again for 30 minutes. That might be counterproductive to wanting to defend it. But, I mean, flipping one way or the other, it might that might help. But I also think, like with what you're saying, part of this, I don't think it'll happen because of the double, but I also think that the efforts of some of those people might be thwarted by the fact that you're going to have a bunch of new people who might not know the PvP meta who aren't in the Mega Team Speaks uh, or Group Team Speak and are just doing their own thing and they'll take a keep out from underneath someone who's like, wait, it's not our turn to flip it or whatever, you know, because they're not following the the meta groups.
3: Yeah, exactly. Because you always uh, yeah. have those it's 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 only for a week though so yeah
1: and and the emperor the emperorship and whatnot is not going to be there
3: anyway so um yeah Yeah, i'm I'm not i'm not i'm not too worried but yeah um the one thing i would point out to people is that every time you gain a cyrodiil rank you earn a champion point i sorry a skill point so skill points basically hidden within cyrodiil um just purely by ranking up and the first Ten to fifteen are not going to be difficult to do if you if you play every day, um, even just for a couple of hours on double XP and run within it with a group, um, you're going to get, you know, ten to fifteen skill points from that. So it's worth jumping in even if you purely are just going after skill points or want them to have kind of banked for future use. That's you know the, uh, it's rank cap. The rank cap is yeah, it's fifty, and there's a oh. skill point for every one of them. Wow. That's yeah. actually
1: something I completely forgot about. I'm actually glad you mentioned that. It'll be easy for me to get my points that way that I that yeah. don't already own.
3: Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend that. And and the first few, as I say, they're not that difficult to get because they don't take that many AP. I mean, I'm... You know, the higher level you get, I mean, it takes millions to, to, to scale up. I mean, it takes me now a, over a million AP to move up one level uh, in Cyrodiil. I'm at level... What am I now thirty thirty something um and I've been playing well I've been playing for three years uh, admittedly there are people in there who are fifty grand overlords and and but they you know probably play a hell of a lot more obsessively or a hell of a lot more than I do or only play PvP but uh, yeah I'd recommend taking this time to go in and just grab those skill points if nothing else absolutely
1: um and then I think we had one more item yes, but I think which is Oh, okay. No, so. I was going to say I was going to bring it up but I think with how long we've been running I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about that but we'll mention it. It's the they released a lore article uh for the flora and fauna of Vardenfell because it is so vastly different than anywhere else. And it, it we. i was gonna bring it up but it actually is something that if if you're interested in the lore it's worth the read like in going through and looking at how alien varden fell is compared to the rest of tamriel so yeah how ugly <laughs> no i i think it's actually kind of neat i like it um so definitely check that out it's on the official elder scrolls online page um, they show a lot of concept art and i mean they had eso live where they actually walked through a couple areas this week which was really cool to see so if you didn't get a chance to view that it, it was worth the it was worth the look um <clears throat> just because of how cool it was um, but uh, yeah um i think that's it other than i think we had one mailbag yes yeah let me go ahead and pull that up here real quick I have it here on uh, my phone. And if I can get into my phone, that is. All right, there we go. All right, so we had an email from Musclehead007. He goes, the title of this is Cross-Platform Play. Hello and greetings, Tails crew. I have a question concerning Cross-Platform Play. In Final Fantasy XIV, uh, they allow cross platform play along PlayStation 4 and PC. I think that Zos should implement this into ESO as a new benefit for ESO Plus subscribers. (coughs) Excuse me. I play on Xbox One and I think it would be very fun to play with others across PC, Mac, and PlayStation 4. What do you think about cross-platform play solely for ESO Plus subscribers? May your roads lead to warm sands. All right. Cross-platform play and an ESO subscriber benefit. Um, Arc. Now I've never
2: played anything with that supported cross-platform um, cl- cross-platform play, so I'm not sure how it would be. And I've never played much of MMORPGs out there, so I'm not sure. Again, uh, I don't know how to see the uh, subject. Right, but. It being an ESO Plus subscription, uh, I kind of wonder whether if the number of ESO Plus subscribers that would appreciate the cross-platform support are high enough to actually go through developing this uh, technology or support. So that it actually, it really depends on that, I guess.
3: Yeah, I have a friend who plays on PS4. And if I want to play with him, it means I have to play on PS4 as well, which I did. I bought a copy just to play with him um, and just so I know what on consoles it was like. Um, But, you know, I've got like a level 25 character on there and whenever I do it, I just think this is time I could be putting into my main or my main alt um, or earning that AP or doing my house. And so... Yeah, I always I do it because I want to play with him, and I know he wants me to, but really, I would just love to be cross-platform.
1: Final Fantasy XIV does an amazing job with cross-platform. Now, it's only with PS4 and PC, and honestly, I don't necessarily buy the fact that people would complain that controllers have an advantage or disadvantage, because they even said during the interview that there was one lady who showed up and was schooling even controller people using a cons or a controller. It's possible. Like obviously I'm I'm PC Master Race. So I prefer my keyboard and mouse over anything. But a lot of the issue I think stemmed from the fact Microsoft. Microsoft does not play game with anyone else. There's a reason why Final Fantasy 14 is not cross-platform with Microsoft is not even on the Xbox platform is because they refuse to work with anybody. They just, they won't. Um, so besides that hurdle, let's just say Microsoft has a change of heart and says, yeah, we'll absolutely work with people. I want to address the ESO Plus thing. I, I understand the fact that ESO Plus play together, but because I don't think there's a way of separating out the cross-platform play unless they did something like, I know some other like free-to-play games do, which I would be a hundred percent on board for if they got rid of the crown store and made everything in game, is a gold server where your character can only be played like a general subscription MMO. Um and that would be the only way that I could see it being an ESO plus is if they added another mega server which would act as a gold server where anyone could play on it, but it would require an active subscription. So if you lost that, you couldn't play that character anymore. So there would be that. Now, I would be 100% fine with that. I've been subbed ever since. I prefer the sub model. And if they found a way of adding in the costumes and stuff from Crown Store to a gold server that you didn't have to buy crowns to do. You just were able to earn them in-game. Even if they just retroactively like, we're randomly going to put this costume in behind a quest uh quest achievement i'd be fine with that you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. but i think that's the only way you could tie it to a um an eso the eso uh plus is by actually making an entirely new mega server and making it a gold only server that only way you could play on it is if you are a subscription player and you would lose access if you didn't have
2: yeah, and I, I honestly think the cost of building a new mega server and, you know, adjusting the gameplay towards it would be covered by the number of people that are willing to go for a subscription of ESO+. I mean, you would know the cost of a new data center way better than me, but I know it's
1: it's costly. Zos- <laughs> it, it is costly, but Zoss could afford it. I know they could. They They can afford it, but...
2: I think you know. The, in terms of should they do, do they need it for uh, more revenue? I mean, it's you know, it's marketing. Yeah. Will they will this give get them more money or don't? And don't, it's probably won't in my eyes.
1: It, so. it may not, and that's that's the thing. I know I would love that server. I would play on it constantly, especially if I didn't have to deal with the crown store in any in any way. It would all be available in game. I would gladly never cancel my sub ever. Um, but the idea of adding the other thing, I don't, I don't think they would have an issue doing that. I just, outside of do, their crown store, I think they think their crown store makes too much money to allow people to have an ESO plus where you didn't have to buy anything. Like if they did add it in there, because no one would want to play on a gold server. What would be the point if it didn't remove that pain point of the crown store, like you wouldn't, you just wouldn't do it. Um, they would have to remove the crown store to make it something that people would say, yeah, I'll leave my, my other character, my other mega server character and play. Um, but with that being said, I don't think that they'd be willing to do that. And even if they would be willing to do that, which I would love them for, I don't think they would want to separate their community a fourth way. It's already separated three ways. Yeah. I mean, other games have had more servers. I don't think it would be a death knell. In fact, it would probably help with server uh, stability as well because it would lower the amount of people, therefore lowering the amount of server stress on these mega servers. But unless they were willing to completely forego the crown store for this gold server... Which, like I said, they won't. Um, they wouldn't want to separate the community out for that. Am I? Do you guys agree? Off base?
3: I I agree entirely yeah. with that. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, hey, if they wanted to add a gold server that did that, I would love it, because that's one of my, obviously one of my biggest complaints on this game is their crown store. Because I'm I'm from a very old school game. I'm an old school gamer. I believe in be working for your items, not playing your credit card for your items. Um, even cosmetics—they were once upon a time a reward for doing something cool, not just a what I can what I can pay for. And I'm already a sub, but they're so tied to that right now, they would never move off of it, and it would separate the community a fourth split. But again, you would have to get Microsoft to play ball. And that is a hurdle that not even Square Enix has been able to do yet. So, I don't know. Maybe, Nate, I don't know. You're you're more on the tech side of things. And I believe that Microsoft has been making strides in the past few years to kind of be more interconnected. But the only way they've been interconnected is with PC. Like, if you buy a game on Xbox, you can play it on PC and vice versa.
3: That's right. Yeah, you Uh, can do that. For some games, so there are some racing games like Forza, you can do that with, um, and you have to also buy it, typically, I think, on Microsoft's own stores. Yes. So you can't buy it from Steam and play with someone who bought on Xbox. You have to buy on the Windows store, and and part of the reason for that is that the Xbox One and Windows 10 share an underlying code base. Right. So they're competing on an equal footing, whereas with, uh, with PS4 and PC, for example, you're you know you're very much not. So it would be and and you know the servers don't talk to each other. They they have been able to be linked um, to the extent that they know the status of your subscription, which is how you are able to move your characters over to um, you know copy your characters over to PS4, for example, when when consoles uh, launched. But um, it's. To, to do live interactive play between those two is it, it's not going to happen anytime soon.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, there's a lot of a lot of what I mentioned in there that are are physical barriers, and then there's also the monetization barrier on whether or not they would change their monetization for a gold server. because um, no one, I wouldn't leave my character for a gold server if it didn't have that. Why would I? That would be stupid. Um, because then I wouldn't be gaining anything. I'd just be losing everything I've already bought from the crown store on, on this gold server. I'd have to start over more than likely, or even if they let me copy it, there would be restrictions where it'd be like, this isn't worth my time leaving when I'm not really gaining a net benefit other than not playing, you know, playing with console players who are subbed. But that doesn't mean anything to me it really doesn't because I would already be lowering my community as a whole because I'd be on this ESO Plus server unless there was a benefit to having the ESO Plus like no crown store so um, yeah guys that's kind of the end of the show um, does anyone want to say anything? Uh, final thoughts before we end well it was a great episode
2: it was tiring it was long but it's, it was awesome it's yeah. always nice to have Nate here so I'm looking forward to seeing him more, Nate. Like whenever you, you can.
1: <laughs> Long shows, as always. We're almost near the three-hour mark. So edited I mean, will probably be about two and a half hours. But yeah, yeah, we're near that three-hour mark.
3: When when I when I come on, somehow it goes on and on and on. And I sort of think there's a consistent theme here. Oh, <laughs> Me. well,
1: I mean we we love is, this which game, which is why you should come more. I agree. Really? I, I, I agree <laughs> well, completely. I, very, very happy to. So, that's... We definitely love having you on here, Nate. Um, so, I mean... Heck, my wife loves having you on. She actually only listens to shows that Nate's on, so... oh Yeah. She crazy. will only listen to shows if Nate's on it. She always asks me, is Nate on the show? I'm like, oh, not this week. All right, catch me next week. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, babe. Still- thanks for supporting still- your husband, but whatever.
3: <laughs> I still think the one of the most thing that i've ever done on tales is when Thais and i did the um the lusty
1: argonian maid yes
3: (laughs) reading that is that's one of my all-time tales of tamriel highlights
1: yep i definitely love that and that actually got a lot of uh a lot of good responses was from the reading of of that so yeah no that was that was always cool so Alright, well I guess uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of Tales of Tamriel. Um, Obviously if you want to follow me or any of my co-hosts, all of our information is on the website dungeoncrawlernetwork.com in the podcast description as well as links to all the news topics that we've talked about and other juicy little information, so check that out. Uh, Join our Discord community, dungeoncrawlernetwork.com slash Discord. We'll get you in there, chat with other like-minded individuals, join our guild, have fun, be amazing. And of course, watch Tales of Tamriel every Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. We hope you enjoyed. We will see you next week. Bye everybody. A serpent
0: lights the ancient sky of dread of tainted stars. Evil stirs and in its wake the souls of mortal sway. so